You are watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or, or tag Hoopsville. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, we have a mailbag segment at the end. We um, certainly hope you will maybe participate in that. We have no questions as of right now. Maybe you'll dive some in. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Remember, the mailbag segment's also for all of you who may be watching this show on demand or listening to the podcast, whether you're downloading it from SoundCloud or iTunes. Gives you a chance to ask us a question that we may not always get a chance to answer on air. Uh, live, that is, from the questions we get live. If you've got a question, send it to us. Even if we're not on the air, we will save it for our Hoopsville mailbag segment and put it up on the air when we get the opportunity. Um, lots to talk about tonight. We did not, not answer to promote the show as much as we wanted, mainly because of the technical difficulties we had with one of our interviews. But we are really looking forward to that interview. Here's what we've got on the docket coming up. We will talk to now the second winningest coach in Division Three men's basketball. His name is Steve, uh, Steve, Steve Moore. Steve Moore from Worcester. Win number 787 last night against Allegheny. 700 at Worcester. Passes Jim Smith. Come number two behind Glenn Robinson in Division Three. Though interestingly enough, Dave Hickson is at his heels. We will talk to Steve Moore coming up on the hoops, uh, the NABC Coaches Corner here shortly. Also coming up, we will head to D.C. for a couple of interviews, actually on the road segment. We teased it on our Twitter account earlier this week. We'll head down to Gallaudet and talk men's basketball with their head coach, Kevin Kovacs. It's a unique opportunity for us. We've only one other time talked to Gallaudet, though not for technically for a Hoopsville show. It was for the Hoopsville Classic a couple years back. So first time Gallaudet is making an appearance on the show, and we hope you'll enjoy it and find it insightful. While we were down there, we also checked in with the Catholic women's basketball team. Matt Donahue, Donahue, I should say, joins us to talk about the Cardinals. We talked to them before their game against Elizabethtown, though they won that handily. We'll talk about the conference, the race, and really what is a jam-packed Mid-Atlantic region, along with a pretty good team that he has on his hands. And then we'll switch back um, to, oh, we'll continue women's basketball, I should say. We'll go up to Calvin talk women's basketball with Chuck Winkleman, and then we'll head out to Nebraska Wesleyan, first time ever on the show as well. We'll talk to the Prairie Wolves and their men's program about being in the IAAC for the first time, what they expect from the season ahead, and much, much more. So that's what we've got ahead of us on the show. couple of notes. We continue to file the Stevens Point case. Jack Bennett came out to say once again this is akin to jaywalking and doesn't understand how it mushroomed into a major violation. I could go off on two hours discussing this, and I will not bore you now, but let's just say Jack Bennett may or may not have a different sense of where this is than everybody else. I'm not so sure everybody up there is appreciating his thoughts on it, but I am not positive. Case is continuing. We'll keep an eye on that case. If anything major happens, we'll continue to report it here on D3Hoops.com. Other news that we're working on on as well. Top 25 was once again eventful so far this week. It's always eventful this time, this time of season, uh, especially on the men's side, though somewhat quiet, uh, not horrible. Um, the top 10, for example, has so far gone unscathed, though some uh, big games coming up, though 
Tufts has got, for example, Middlebury and Hamilton ahead of them. Uh, Rochester has Chicago and Wash U ahead of them this weekend. So the uh, River Falls uh, did beat Whitewater. That's the only significant game up there. Well, Claire beat Lacrosse. That's also pretty significant as well. But obviously, a couple big games for the top ten coming up this weekend. Number eleven, Susquehanna lost last night to Scranton, seventy-six or seventy-six sixty-eight. Looked like Susquehanna struggled in the second half. That game was a little bit more in Susquehanna's control in the first half. That's their second loss of the season. Newman lost to Rutgers New uh, Camden 68-67. Only Rutgers Camden's second win of the season. They then came back and spanked Immaculata 92-69. They got Centenary ahead of them this upcoming weekend. That was Newman's first loss of the season, we should note. As we mentioned, Whitewater lost to River Falls. They've got Platteville ahead. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Augustana 92-77. Turns out their big guy inside Sebring is out. Who knows how long? Back injury, apparently. We know he won't play on Saturday. Don't know if this is season-ending or just a, uh, um, a short-term thing. But I can tell you, for the Titans, that will hurt. Uh, they certainly need their big man inside. Uh, Marietta finally got off the mat. They beat uh, Mount Union despite struggling in the first half against the Raiders. They beat them 96-78. New Jersey City played three games this week, beat Rowan, lost to Stockton, and now has Ramapo ahead. The problem is New Jersey City is essentially down three players. They played two and a half, three starters. They played two and a half starters, let's argue, or their SID would argue, uh, against Stockton, who they actually were leading at halftime. Two out with an injury, uh, really one out with an injury, another out with a flu, and then another who's got an injury is playing. So they're not doing so well. By the way, only three losses in the uh, receiving votes category. Wartburg lost to Buena Vista. St. Thomas lost to St. Olaf. And Stout lost to Stevens Point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Stevens Point does the rest of the season. On the women's side of things, um, a little bit quieter, as it always is. Um, top 25 hasn't lost this week. That's how quiet it is. Um, Amherst got a win over uh, receiving votes Albright as part of four games they are playing this week. Also beat Farmingdale State. They got Wesleyan and Connecticut College ahead of them. Um, otherwise, nothing jumps out of me, though. DePaul had to use double overtime to beat Denison and ended up beating Denison by 13. Carnegie Mellon's got Brandeis and NYU ahead. If you're looking for some fun basketball, the UAA's got it. Wash U, who played Milliken and beat them, will play Emory and Rochester this week. Um, Rochester will play Chicago and Wash U. Uh, interesting enough, Chicago not getting any votes, votes despite the win over Wash U last week. Uh, the only losses came outside the, of the um, top 25. Stockton lost to Stevenson early in the week, 60-53, to 53, and then beat New Jersey City. They got Kane ahead of them. Albright, as we mentioned, lost to Amherst, then recovered and beat Lycoming, 63-50. They got number 22, Messiah ahead, so a heck of a week for Albright. Baldwin-Wallace lost to Ohio Northern. No surprise there. They've got Otterbein ahead of them, and Elizabethtown lost to Catholic 66-61. I said Catholic had no problems with that. That game was much further away than five points. E-Town got back into it late in the game. They've got Susquehanna ahead of them. So that's kind of what, what's going on around Division Three. Again, I apologize for the quality of the stream. If you're watching live, it's a little herky-jerky. We do realize that. We apologize. It will be resolved. Uh, we hope within uh, 15 minutes, we hope it doesn't affect Coach Moore's interview with us. Coming up uh, to talk about his accomplishments. Uh, we will find out, obviously, um, when we get to that point.
Again, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at D3Hoops.com. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also streaming. We apologize if it's herky-jerky there as well. Uh, we will uh, certainly uh, speed up the quality of the stream um, relatively relatively soon, to be honest. Um, and let's see, what else? Um don't forget the mailbag segment coming up. Hoopsville at, at, at d3hoops.com is your email address. Send us your questions. We will go a little into overtime tonight. Again, coming up, Steve Moore of Worcester will join us to talk about his 787th career victory and 700th at Worcester and some of the milestones that go along with that. Then we'll go down to D.C., talk to Gallaudet men's basketball, talk women's basketball Catholic, then head to Calvin and continue our women's basketball conversation before heading out to... Um, Nebraska Wesleyan to talk men's basketball. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more school. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Take your time, no worries. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Good. 
Goodbye. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, oh it's an experience you won't forget. Discover okay. the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, oh. Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate uh, your game no, today and visit no, the house really. that College Basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. Okay. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no less and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which Good. was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, one of the things that we've been eyeing on for a little bit of time here is uh, the, the exploits, let's call them, of uh, Worcester head coach Steve Moore closing in on a pretty big milestone himself, number 700 at um, Worcester, but more importantly, 787 for his career, which puts him number two in Division Three. He finally got that victory, maybe a little later than he was hoping for, against Allegheny last night in a, in a good, solid victory for the program. And as a result, we made sure that we uh, did our due diligence and got him on the air. So joining us via the City of Salem Skype hotline, Coach Steve Moore joins us from Worcester. And Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on one heck of a milestone. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, I know it probably took a little longer than you expected. I don't think I can name many seasons where you guys are hovering around 500. Or a little bit of a rough start to start the year. Um, but from your vantage point, it's probably also nice just to finally ac accomplish what you knew was on the radar for some time. Yes, Dave. We, we have been off to um, kind of an inconsistent start this year. Um, we played a tough schedule in the non-league. Played some very good teams, of course. But... Um, uh, and we've played some good basketball, but we've just been inconsistent. Uh, had good stretches of games and not so good stretches of games. But um, and then we we've already lost two conference games, which is the unfortunate part. But uh, once again, there's some good teams. Uh, Denison, who's on top of our league right now, and Hiram. 
Yeah, your, your conference is kind of interesting. I, I know a lot of people will we'll talk about that in a minute. I'd rather talk about the accomplishment first. Uh, obviously, win number 700, nice round number as well uh, to go with uh, the 787, to go 700 at Worcester. I mean, you are synonymous with Worcester, just as uh, Dave Hickson is synonymous with Amherst. Uh, Mark Brown was synonymous with Wittenberg, et cetera, et cetera. Um, did you ever imagine you would get to this point in, in your career and, and this kind of milestone? Well, not really, Dave. You know, when uh, I was hired at Worcester, it was just uh, get ready for the season and go season by season, game by game. I never, you know, thought about 30 years, which is this is the 30th season at Worcester. So it's, uh, you know, pretty amazing how fast they've gone by. Yeah, I would love to say, is there any one game in particular you can point to that, that is a testament to your career? But with this many games under your belt, that might be a little bit difficult. But is there anything that, that summarizes what it's been like to, to coach in Division Three this long and be this successful? Oh, um, you know, I guess just um, to summarize, it's just a matter of uh, we've had a lot of really good players at Worcester. And um, uh, the good players were good quality people. They attracted more good players, and it just kind of uh, snowballed that way for, as far as uh, attracting guys. and. Uh, and everyone knows that players win games, and uh, um, that's that's been the big thing of, for us. Is uh, we've had a lot of good players who are also quality people. Uh, obviously, you've been synonymous with Great Lakes basketball and Division Three basketball as a whole. Be in your wildest dreams, or your wildest imaginations, or your or your career ambitions. What were your realistic expectations moving forward when you started your career? Well. Um, I guess when I started my career, I was assistant coach at Wittenberg, and I just uh, loved the game. And, um, you know, it was a great way to stay involved in the game. And then uh, um, when I went to Mulan College um, and coached there for six years, uh, we just you know, tried to make the program better is our, is our first goal and uh, worked hard at recruiting, brought in a lot of players and ended up uh, having some really fine young men play for us there. and. We were able to turn the program around and um, and then move back to Ohio to get closer to family. And that was 30 years ago. And once again, it was just a matter of let's just, you know, try to improve and, and uh, make the program as, as uh, strong as we can make it. That was the only goal, really. You look at your career, you have had a, a ton that you have done both on and off the court. So win number 787 or, or 700 is certainly impressive. But when you consider that you've had the Al Van Wy Worcester Rotary Classic for 23 straight years, um, and it's not just that event, uh, it's skills clinic that goes along with it and food donations, you've got to be proud just, just something like that can survive as long as it has and it's so important to the community on top of playing some good basketball. Yes, Dave, the, the tournament has been an outstanding event for, for the community of Worcester. Um, we have the, the fundamentals clinic for the kids. Uh, generally have over 100 kids on a Sunday preceding the tournament and the kids just love that and our players really enjoy doing that giving back uh, to the community you know we get such great community support here in Worcester from the, uh, the fans and uh, so this is a way for our players to give back to Worcester the community and um, so that's been an excellent thing but what's great about the uh, the Alvin Wee Classic is the, the Worcester Rot the Rotary Club of Worcester sponsors the tournament and they conduct a food drive, not only at the games and at the clinic where, where the participants uh, 
bring food in uh, for admission and for both the clinic and for the games. But they go out to the schools, the elementary schools in the area, and collect just tons of food, which uh, goes to people to people food ministries for the needy in the community. And that's just been a great, great thing. And we're proud to be associated with the Rotary Club of Worcester in that event. Yeah, canned goods are collected as admission for the clinic that takes place. Uh, over 150,000 food items collected over the past 10 years. Um, approximately $7,000 in cash collected from the Rotary members themselves. Canned goods are donated for half-price admission to the games, which has brought in 1,500 food items annually, uh, another 1000 to $2,000 in raffle prizes, and all benefits, as you said, people to people, ministries in Worcester. Of course, by the way, you're, you're not done there yet. Uh, in the December uh, tournament, uh, which you've done for 54 consecutive years on campus, the Moose Hole Worcester Kiwanis Club uh, Tournament Clothing Drive Benefiting Goodwill Industries. Yeah, you want to make sure you're giving back at all times, don't you? Well, yes, Dave. That you know, Once again, we have the Service Club, the Kiwanis Club, uh, uh, sponsoring the tournament. And they do some excellent things in the community for kids. And uh, the Clothing Drive is a benefit to the Goodwill Industries. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a great tournament. Uh 54 years, you know, we think it might be the longest uh, running Division Three or even small college tournament. Uh, Al Van Wee started it way back and uh, uh, was ahead of his time with a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, that, that's how long the most classic has been going on. And it's, every year we have great fields. And it's, uh, in, a, in addition to the, the, food, the clothing drive, we have some great basketball also. It certainly is impressive when you can go even 10 years with a tournament, let alone 54 um, should also mention during the summer, the Camp Fighting Scott, largest instructional overnight summer camp in the state. 48 years running that. Uh, at some point, I get, I get the feeling that um, anything that's routine uh, becomes a little bit easier for you. Well, once again, uh, Al Van Wee, the former coach, uh, passed away just a couple of years ago, and he was ahead of his time. He was an outstanding basketball coach, but... Uh, um, he was an innovator, and he started things that other people didn't ever think about doing, the tournament, uh, basketball clinics, and basketball camp. The basketball camp was the first one in Ohio back in 1970, and uh, he ran a great camp, and we're fortunate to have inherited that camp, and, and uh, it's continued to bring in a lot of young boys, and uh, it's been a teaching camp, unlike a lot of the, most, most of the camps are going to be, become team camps and just play the game, but we've continued to stay with the teaching and the fundamentals part of the, of the game. Talking to Steve Moore here, head coach for Worcester, uh, won his 787th game in his career last night and won 700 at Worcester at the same time. Talking a lot about the community service that, that he is involved in or the program is involved in as part of the NABC coach's corner and one of them that jumps out of course is the nabc dream to read program give us a little bit of an idea of, of how your team and others are taking part in that program well over the years our players have gone into the schools and and just uh, read books with kids and uh, it's a great thing the kids love it and um, our players really enjoy it um, the college of worcester really emphasizes volunteerism across campus campus wide and uh, in addition to our team uh doing this on a yearly basis. Uh, some, some years they've uh, uh, gotten involved in what's called program houses where they live together and, and volunteer in the community and, and go to elementary schools, but other uh, organizations in the community to, to help out, you know, the less fortunate people. And uh, uh, and that's that's been another thing that uh, our players not only give back, 
but they get a lot of uh, satisfaction out of, of, go, of doing these things for others. How much are the students aware of these programs when, when you're recruiting them or they're looking at your school? Is this something that you guys are so proud of that you make sure the recruits know about or they're already aware of before they show up on this campus? I, I think they read about it, um, about these events, Dave, uh, and when we mention them and, uh, you know, and along the lines of uh, when we talk about we want a well-rounded person in our recruiting, we want down basketball players, that's for sure, and we must have good students, otherwise they can't get admitted to Worcester. But in addition to that, we want uh, quality people who are, you know, going to give back to the community, and we let the guys know that we want players like that, people like that, and want them to be quality people, not only good teammates, but uh, quality people all the way around. Of course, you've also been giving back to the game itself. Uh, served four years on the NCAA Rules Committee. You're a member of the NABC Congress for a time. Previous member of the NABC Ethics Committee and fundraising for Coaches versus Cancer. Why is it also important to give back to the game? Well, um, you know, that, that's, that's a, something that coaches think all, all across the country want to do and uh, and, uh, and I also will say that it was uh, very satisfying to be part of some of these committees for example the rules committee that's that's an amazing thing Dave I, I know you and I talked about that a few years back yeah. uh, there were a lot of rule changes being made and I was on the committee when the three-point arc was moved back uh, a foot and uh, very interesting uh, we you know at that time we re discussed uh, the restricted arc we didn't vote it in at that time, but then it was voted in a year or so later after I went off the committee. But uh, very interesting things uh, and a great thing to be a part of, that's for sure. Uh, quick question. Do you suspect any major rule changes coming as of next year after what the women have done? Um, I, I don't know, Dave. It's possible. Um, I know they changed the quarters. Uh, I know there's, there's a move toward doing a lot of things with the international game and making it uh, the same, but um, personally, I like the, the game the way it is right now, um, and I, I, I don't see that I would really favor any big changes at this point. I can understand that. Other notes, by the way, and these are, are statistics that we know Worcester has been good. We know in this century Worcester has been good, but some of these even shock me to some degree. So let me just read them, and then I'll get your reaction. Worcester is the winningest men's NCAA team in the 2000s with an 838 winning percentage entering the year. Amherst is second, and we're not talking just Division Three here because Duke is third, Kansas is fourth. Worcester has won 20 or more games in 20 straight seasons, which is tied for Duke with the second longest active streak, with Kansas being longer at 27. Worcester has made the Division Three championship field uh, record 14 straight years. By the way, Kansas 27, Duke 19, Michigan State 19, Gonzaga and Wisconsin 18 have longer streaks, but granted, we all know it's easier to get into the tournament for them. Um, Steve's High School dedicated to Steve Moore Court prior to the exhibition game against D2 Hash, uh, Ashland and Evan Pinnell, the fifth class of 2015 currently playing the CBL up in Canada is one of five players who signed professional contracts with you but I want to go back to that winning percentage coach that's tough to do especially in the NCAC that has gotten a lot tougher over the years yes our, our league has Dave and uh you know, when DePaul entered the league, I think 2011-2012, that added a great overall athletic program to the league, and uh, DePaul has been very strong in men's basketball. So that was a big change there. 
with their addition, but uh, other programs have really improved. And of course, everyone knows Ohio Westland has been very good for several years now. Um, Wittenberg uh, and, and Worcester have been big rivals and battled uh, a lot of competitive games. But uh, uh, Denison shows that you know their program has gotten stronger, and right now they're in the top of our league. Hiram, Kenyon, really everyone has improved. I think it's just a matter of we have good coaches at every school in, in our league, and uh, they all, at night in and night out, you have to be ready because of the quality of coaching that, that you're going against. You talk about this conference, and I, I started to allude to it at the beginning. A lot of people had high expectations of Ohio Wesleyan coming into the season, three returning first team all conference mates. Uh, expectations for you guys having come off of a, a pretty spectacular second half of last season to make the NCAA tournament and 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 get to the Sweet 16. Um, I think a lot of people expected um, this to be an interesting fight. Right now, Denison looks like they're trying to run away with it. Ohio Wesleyan has struggled. You guys have struggled. What's going on in the conference this season? Well. Um yeah, um, Denison's, Denison returns just about everybody from that team that came on so strong last year at the end when they won the conference tournament. And, um, you know, they have Jet Spielman, who's just a terrific player, uh, and Muir, the, the guard. They were high school teammates and uh, a lot of other good players around them, just a lot of other guys. They're very they're a senior-oriented team. Uh, they're playing very uh, uh, intelligent basketball. Bob Gloney's been an excellent coach there for lots of years. So... They're just, they're for real. They're, they're really good. And uh, um, Ohio Wesson's still good. I mean, they and us, we both uh, have dropped some non-league games, uh, um, but um, against good opponents. And uh, I think we both have, uh, you know, improved as a result of those games. And that's, that's a big reason why we schedule tough non-league games. Um, like when we went out to uh, Pacific Northwest and played Whitman, and uh, Lewis and Clark is a much better team than their record indicates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, I think we've improved as a result of playing that tough schedule and found out what we needed to do better. And, uh, you know, we did make a good tournament run last year, but we still were pretty young. And, um, um, you know, maybe, maybe everybody around Worcester, our fans even, had a little higher expectations because of that than, and, uh, you know, maybe thought that we were better than we really were. So... You know, we had we had some things we have to improve on, and we're doing that right now. I think you got two seniors on this squad: um, Milt Davis, uh, Dan Fanley. Fanley's leading the way uh, with 17.8 points a game and five and a half rebounds a game. You got four guys in double figures: though. Spencer Williams, Reese Dupler, and and Daniel Hempy join the way. But again, you guys are eight and six. You know, this looks like it's going to need to be another or one of those where you're going to have to make a run through the NCAC and, and win the conference title most likely to get into your 15th straight NCAA tournament. Is this team capable of doing that? Well, Dave, you're right. Our backs are certainly against the wall. Um, you know, it's been a tough start to the season for us, but um, what we're focused on is just um, trying to get better each day in practice, play well the next game, and uh, see what happens. Uh, I think uh, I think we are capable of uh, continuing to improve and and hopefully play our best basketball toward the end of February and, and play well in the conference tournaments. But uh, but you know, like I said, our main goal is just to get better each day and keep improving. And uh, I think that's happening right now. Obviously, it doesn't really matter technically the regular season if you can go win that AQ and get into the tournament. 
Uh, obviously, you'd love to be at home during the tournament, but in the grand scheme of things, it worked out pretty well for you last year as well. Got a big win over Ohio Wesleyan a couple games back on the 7th by uh, 23. You've got rival Wittenberg ahead of you before the rest of the conference schedule. Of course, finishing with Wittenberg at home. How much has that rivalry meant to you over the course of your career as well? Um, it's been a great rivalry. I think it's been outstanding for the players on both sides. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a competitive game. For example, last year, both games went into overtime. Um, and, um, you know, it's just a great experience for the players. The, the crowds are big, enthusiastic, even raucous. And, but um, I, our players look forward to it. I think I know their players do. And uh, it's really what college basketball is all about, to have competitive rivalry games like that. Wrapping things up here with Steve Moore, head coach for Worcester, winning his 787th coach. And you, you consider the fact you've passed Jim Smith, you move on to second all-time in Division Three. though uh, your friend Dave Hickson is nipping at your heels a little bit. Uh, doesn't help that he's got the second winningest uh, record in, in Division Three or in NCAA in the 2000s either. But when you realize you'll go out as probably one of the winningest coaches ever to, to coach in Division Three, let alone the NCAA. What, is, what does that mean to you? Um, I don't know, Dave. That's something I really haven't thought about. Uh, just, um, you know, we're focused on winning the next game. That's really all, all <laughs> I think about. Um, I heard Nick Saban say that, and I, I understand what he means. Uh, you just, uh, just want to work hard and prepare for the next game, and and not be concerned about what's happened in the past at this point. Uh, usually in the NABC Coaches Corner, we ask the coach about eight or nine questions that are kind of just for fun. Yep. Uh, usually we ask the same questions of all the coaches. I have misplaced those questions, but I have about five of them off the top of my head, if you don't mind having a little fun with us. Okay. Uh, first one would be, is there anything you can say to a referee that you know can get your point across but doesn't cross the line that could warrant a technical or anything worse? <laughs> well, most referees that we have uh, are, are uh, willing to listen as long as you you're, are polite and calm. <laughs> the problem that we coaches run into, and we, we know we shouldn't do it, but we get carried away and we do it, uh, we yell across the court at the official one who gets to do with the call and say, come on, you missed that one. That, 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 that was not a foul. And if you said that to them, you know, when they're right next to you and nobody else can hear it, they don't mind that. But when yeah, you yeah. scream it across the court, that's, that's when it's a problem. And, and uh, I know better, and all the other coaches know better. We still now and then get carried away and do that. So. I, I saw one of those at the D3 Hoops Classic. I, I, he, he earned it, that's for sure, in the yeah. exact same manner. No, no bad words either. Um, if I were to talk to your wife, hmm. what would she say she'd love to see you change how you coach on the sideline from, from hmm. her vantage point as a, as a fan in the stands? Oh, that, that's a really good question. I, I, <laughs> coaching on the sideline? Anything during the game as you are as a coach? Is there anything that she either uh, she would tell me like, oh, man, I really wish he wouldn't do that or he would change that or something? She's never told me anything about anything like that, Dave, so I, I really can't. Okay. Really She's couldn't nice. Question. Yeah. She stays out of your way. What about the assistant coaches? Anything the assistant coaches would love to have you do differently as a coach? Um. Yeah, I'll probably play zone defense now and then. 
Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen you play zone very often. Um, the other thing would be, obviously, everybody retires at some point in time. What would you hope people will remember of you when you retire from the game? Um, I guess just that, um, you know, that um, worked hard at, worked hard at coaching the game, gave everything I had and uh, treated the players well and um, taught the players. Uh, that's my job. Um, and so I, I hope that I'm respected for doing the job that I should be doing. You're now number two in Division Three, as we said. That that alone begs the next question, which has nothing to do with the fun questionnaire. Okay. How, how much more you got left in you? That again, not determined, or I, I really don't know. Um, um, I just go game to game now and year to year, <laughs> and uh, and good Lord willing, if I can, you know, keep health health wise keep coaching for a little while yet that, that would be good but uh once again I, I just don't know dave and we'll see what happens i said mark brown earlier i meant to say bill brown at wittenberg but when bill decided to step away from the game over the summer did that catch you by surprise um did it make you even kind of reflect yourself um not not a total surprise because uh you know we had heard others say that you know bill might coach coach one more year or so so it wasn't a total surprise but um i know that um you know it was a good timing for him with his wife uh getting a job in indianapolis so um you know uh, we're very happy for bill and know that uh you know he had a great career coaching and uh and that we wish him much happiness in his retirement well, Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Congratulations on a heck of a milestone. We certainly wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Hopefully see you dancing in the 15th straight NCAA tournament. If not, it's a heck of a season anyway and a heck of a milestone. As always, though, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Just thank you, Dave, for having us on, and thank you for all you do for Division Three. It's just awesome what you do, and we really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Coach. Kind words. I really appreciate it as well. Good luck, and uh, once again, heartfelt congratulations on a heck of a milestone. Thank you very much, Dave. Steve Moore joining us from Worcester again. Win number 787, passing Jim Smith for second all-time. He's obviously behind Glenn Robinson at Franklin and Marshall, who's still coaching, and behind him and probably will be taking over third at some point soon is Dave Hickson. When we come back, we will jump down to D.C. We travel to D.C. and talk to Gallaudet men's basketball. It's a little bit different. There'll be an interpreter. We'll have closed captioning. You'll see sign language. But the bison are a fascinating story to, to get to know. We'll talk bison men's basketball coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. 
I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I did Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Obviously, we're not in the studio here. We're now on the road. The next couple of segments will be in the Washington, D.C. area. No, not because of the inauguration, but because we felt we wanted to come down here and talk to a couple teams that deserve it. The first one, the Gallaudet Bison, off to an 8-3 start, 6-0 in NEAC play. For the men's program, that is pretty stellar. And So now joining me on the show is Coach Kovacs here at Gallaudet. Coach. Thanks for coming to town. I appreciate it. Obviously, uh, he is signing and we have an interpreter. This will be a more unique interview and I've actually been looking forward to it. Coach, first and foremost, eight and three overall and six and oh in the conference. You've got to be thrilled with the start to the season. Absolutely. Really thrilled. At the same time, I'm very mindful that we've got a long season ahead of us and we can never start celebrating our accomplishments. <laughs> accomplishments right now because our goal is to make it to the end of the season and that's really what we're looking towards is the end of the season and postseason we've never been into the NCAA tournament and that's really what we're aiming for uh, this start is great for us but we're still working hard trying to improve in the areas where we need to and getting ready for that postseason and you know this and for the rest of the season you've only played 11 games we're about the midway point so you've actually got a lot of games in the second half of the season uh you have to almost ramp things up a little bit games are going to get a little tighter on the schedule and practices might have to be a little shorter how do you adjust compared to the first half of the season well we have to make sure our players are fresh mentally physically spiritually motivated so I have to make sure we're watching them because I know you know the season it's a long grinding season so that's my most important focus right now making sure the players are motivated fresh ready mentally prepared for the challenges ahead for the most part you play a weekend schedule in the NEAC but there's going to be some times coming up where you'll certainly kind of ramp that up case in point we're talking to you ahead of the Thursday show clearly but you have three games this weekend you'll have uh, later on in, in January you'll play a bunch of games during the week is there a matter of taking a practice off slowing things down how do you adjust to the schedule when it starts to get a little bit tighter we require having a day off we all know that um, but we're also watching the players their body language and see where they're at and then we decide how much we want to push them and how much we want to slow down a little bit and focus on the important things that we need to focus on for our games and success so far this season um, you've had a pretty good start Bridgewater a win had a win over Lancaster Bible obviously who was the uh, star of the conference last season uh, a couple tough losses that are interesting to look at St. Mary's of Maryland lost by five and Gwinnett Mercy 
lost by five. You're in these games that maybe people didn't know you could be in. What's the difference in this season and what we've seen from the Bison program the last few years? This is my second year as coach, um, but comparing last year to this year, um, we've lost some really, really good players last year. But I also think that those good players that we lost set the tone and the expectation for our program as we move forward. And this year's group has done a good job. There's still room for improvement. Um, some carryover of the success we had last year, which was a result of previous successes as well. So I think that's where we're starting to understand that to be the case and holding ourselves to a higher uh, accountability for success. So we're getting better. We still have room for improvement. And yeah, I'm very pleased that we you know, had good competition with those two opponents. This year, we're using a man-to-man -man defense, which I was a little bit unsure about whether we could do it, do man-to-man, -man and still compete with those great teams. And I'm very pleased that we've done that. No matter the defense, and I've known the Gallaudet program for a long time, obviously uh, been in the area and certainly senior programs over the years. No matter the defense, there comes a bit of communication. I find it interesting you've gone to man-to-man. -man. That seems to be the one that needs the most communication. How do the guys do that on the floor? I've always been impressed with the defense Gallaudet plays, but man-to-man's on a different level. Absolutely. It's really tough. Um, we do have a disadvantage of not being able to hear and talk to each other. That's a fact, whether we like it or not. So that's why I always preach to our players that we have to work harder. We have to use our hands to communicate. And I know it's not the same as talking, but we have to be able to see each other's hands. We just have to find a way. We can't make excuses. Oh, we can't hear and talk, which means we can't play man to man. It's really us, up to us as individuals and as a team to step up, work harder and make the man to man defense work. And we also have to really set rules that we have to follow for ourselves you know we can't communicate on the fly you know oh switch or i've got him you take him so we're not going to switch in that kind of um screen like some screens we don't switch some screens we have to switch um, it really depends on the situation. So we set those expectations that we're going to follow, and that helps to minimize the need to communicate on the fly and create confusion. But sometimes it happens, and it's part of the game. The same with some teams who can hear and talk to each other. They mm -hmm. have some miscommunications. <laughs> yes. So do we. <laughs> but we try and minimize it as much as possible to really help us succeed. When it comes to the defense, and again, I'm so impressed when I've watched a Gallaudet defense, especially in zone, but in a man-to-man, -man, do you just throw during practice every possible scenario so that it becomes almost a second nature to some extent, even some curveballs or some unexpected expectations? So when they see it in the game, it's almost instinct where maybe a lot of hearing teams will rely on the communication instead? Yeah, I try my best to communicate with the team on on the floor, you know, tell them who to watch, who to switch, um, you know, what to do, explain it during timeouts. That's during the game. 
I mean, it really depends on each game. Some refs understand that, you know, our communication, some refs say no. There's a rule, you got to stay in the box, and so that's a little bit harder, and that can get frustrating. It was funny because one time a ref told me before the game, he said, you can't be out of the box, you got to be in the box. And I said, some games I can, I'm trying to communicate with my players, I can't hear. And he said, it's not fair to the opponent, opposing coach, because he can't come out of the box. So, you know, you're putting him at a disadvantage. And I said, honestly, it, he's got more advantages than me. He can communicate with his team to change the play in the middle of the possession. He can communicate and say, somebody's open, pass the ball. You know, he, the player hears it and then does it. Or, you know, he wants you to run behind the player to tip the ball. You know, he can get a player to do that. There are things that I can't do, but I took that advice and, you know, fine, you want us to have the disadvantage. And the ref looked at me and then he let me get out of the box because of it. <laughs> but sometimes it gets really frustrating with, um, you know, I don't know. Now for practices, you know, that's a challenge for us too, you know, that we practice both kinds of defense. You know, I've been at different colleges and talked to different coaches. Some coaches prefer to pick one defense and get the best at that and just focus on that rather than having to practice different defenses. And I can see their point. I get it. But I think for us, we rather not stick with one defense. We prefer to have the ability to uh, tweak on the fly for different reasons. Uh, normally, I've always thought that you've had a major home court advantage because the atmosphere here is different than anywhere else. Having been a former student athlete who's played against Gallaudet in an outdoor sport, I know it was different to play Gallaudet. So I always thought the home court was an advantage. But unfortunately, you've lost two of your three games at home. Is home court an advantage or can home court sometimes be a distraction for your own team? Sometimes it's funny because sometimes I don't even think that we have a home court advantage. Which, you know, if we go away for an away game, I don't think that the other team has a home court advantage. I just look at every game as a game. And I never take anything for granted. Like, oh, it's home court, we'll have a better chance to win. Or I never look at the opponent and say, oh, their record's not that good. I think it should be an easy game to win. I take every game home, away, neutral ground as a game that we really have to prepare for, work hard for, no matter what. And I keep telling my players that anything can happen. It's funny, in just one week, the Warriors were up by 24 points at home, and then the second half, and I don't know what the team they were playing's record is, but they ended up losing in overtime. Look at Nevada beat New Mexico at New Mexico. New Mexico had a 14-point lead with a minute 11 left, and they lost in overtime. So then last weekend, we had two games. We had a 20-point lead in one game at halftime, and they caught up in the second half, and, but we won in the end, in the last minute. So I keep telling my players that basketball is a funny game. We can never think that we have won something before the game's even started. It doesn't matter if it's home. It doesn't matter if your be their best player's hurt. 
and they're out of the game, it doesn't mean anything. Anything can happen any day, any time. Let's talk a little bit about your team. You have three seniors on the squad. You're a very tall team. Uh, your tallest guy, Joshua McGriff, a senior at 6'8". You have a handful of 6'6 and 6'5 players and 6'4". Certainly some size inside, which is always good when it comes to basketball. You're, you're led by Joshua McGriff, your senior, at 17.6 points a game, nearly a double-double at 9.6 rebounds. Also, Andy Cruz, a junior, same deal, 14.7 points and 9.3 rebounds. Raymond Nelson, uh, obviously a, um, an important player. And then Noah Valencia, a freshman, four guys in double figures. You've got to be thrilled with that core group, but especially what your seniors are capable of doing this year. Absolutely. It's really an exciting group of players, a lot of talent, a lot of potential, a lot of skills that they have. Our goal is just to maximize and exceed their expectations because we don't want them to have any regrets. You know, I've seen, they've already seen too many regrets. So we keep, I keep on preaching it to them. You don't want to have regrets. I tell our team, you know, we have 13 or 14 seniors on the team. And I tell, you know, you're all like seniors, you know, because we're not going to just play. They're not going to be playing with our three actual seniors next year. You know, we tend to have senior players that have that urgency. They don't know. They know it's their last year, their last opportunity. But then oftentimes you also have some lower classmen who we might not have next year or do they have next year, you know, then they're not on the same page. We really have to think that we're all in our last year because it is actually the last year that we have as this team with Josh, with Raymond, and with Sean. You know, Sean's our key player off the bench. So, you know, it's the last time we're gonna have those three on the team. So think about, you know, we're all seniors on the team. It's the last time we're all together. And then next year, it'll be another last year opportunity for another team. You're willing to go pretty deep on the bench. Before I get to that depth, though, I want to talk about the four guys at the top again. Two are forwards and two are guards. When a person like myself is looking at a box score that looks very balanced, that you have the inside and the outside threat, is that what makes you guys so dangerous? Absolutely. You know, we have players with different sets of skills that really complement each other. Inside, outside, shooting. So that really helps a lot. If they want to worry about shooting, then it means it opens up the inside game a little bit. If they want to suffocate our inside game, then it opens up our outside game. When you look at the team, you're also out-rebounding your opponents. Your assist-to-turnover margin is pretty, pretty good, and you're holding your opponents right now to about 71.5 points a game. Is this a defensive mentality and make sure you get the boards, or do you really want to win the game on the offensive end? Yeah, I've always really preached to the team about you know, defense and rebounding. There's nothing else. There's no other secret. Obviously, we have little things that can be important, but the top two things are defense and rebounding. If we can win those two battles, then we give ourselves a chance to win every game. If we don't take care of them, then it's a toss-up. 
Let's talk about the elephant in the room. You're 6-0 and in the conference, one of the best starts in program history in conference play, no matter the conference. Um, obviously, last year, Lancaster Bible stole the headlines and had a, a stellar season, made it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, in years past, Morrisville State has represented the conference very well in the NCAA tournament, though maybe, came, maybe in Morrisville State's case was a little bit under the radar most of the season. With a 6-0 and start and you continue to win, you're not going to be necessarily under the radar. Does that add more pressure? Yes and no. You can't hide the fact that you're 6-0. and But at the same time, we're trying to be... Our mindset is to win, to take every game as a game. Not trying to think that, oh, we're 6-0 and now. No, we're looking at the game and taking each a step at a time. And hopefully that'll help lessen the pressure of trying to be 7-0. We're just trying to be 1-0 every day. And the next game, we're 1-0, and we see where that takes us. If it adds up to an undefeated season, awesome. But really, we're focused on one game at a time. Memory serves, the last time this program won a conference regular season or even made a conference tournament was in the 1940s. There's a lot of history, obviously, with Gallaudet basketball in first. But second of all, it's been a very long time since this kind of success has surrounded the Bison's men's program. The women's program certainly has had success, especially in the 90s, but the men's program has not. Football a few years ago made the NCAA tournament. Is this the type of team that can be special to maybe rewrite the history books here at Gallaudet? I keep telling the team that it can be. It's up to us and how we handle it and the success we have now and how we move forward with it. Nothing is guaranteed. Lots of things can happen. Anything can happen. So we need to be mindful of that. I keep on preaching it to the team that there's opportunities to succeed, to write the history books, and we decide how our season ends, what people will say about us, and trying to use different examples and different experiences that we've had, and hopefully it teaches them so they realize it. I know you weren't here when Morrisville State made its runs to the Sweet 16, but you were here last year for Lancaster Bible's magical season. Is there anything you can take from their two seasons and help apply it to yours with expectations or what you're going to face in the conference or et cetera? Or is this completely a unique Gallaudet thing and you have to just focus on yourselves? I'm more focused on ourselves. This season ahead of us make sure that we're all doing our best every day in practice at games you know you know you can't take one possession off in a game you can't take one day off you know you talk about our tough loss with st. Mary's you know where one or two plays really hurt us and it was the a difference maker so we use those as lessons learned about why we can't afford to take a day off and also, you know, we're talking about our successes, which also means we've got a target on our back that's bigger. Maybe some players have never experienced that. But I don't want to talk too much about it, because if I do, then it adds more pressure to them. And we don't need extra pressure. We just have to focus on what we do every day to be successful. A couple more questions uh, before we let you go, and I appreciate the time so far. First one would be back to on the floor and the team. You know, we, we know the, the challenges of not being able to hear and the lack of communication, traditional communication. 
But what other challenges do we are we not aware that a team like the Bison have to deal with on the floor in the course of a game? Challenges on the floor. I think the other challenges we have are just like what any other team has. I can't think of any other challenges that we have that aren't in common with the opponent. Despite those last minute communication needs, you know, the one thing is for myself and my players, we can't really talk with the officials a lot. I know I look at the other teams, coaches, they're always talking to the officials. It's like they're having a conference. Um, and I always wonder what they're talking about. And then sometimes maybe the flow of the game changes a little bit. But that's something that I'm not going to dwell on or complain about. I'm just you know, going to work harder to do what we can that with what's in our control to do our best. I know you have roots to Gallaudet, though this is your second season as head coach. Have been here before, but you let's let's say escaped to the to the West Coast at one point, and we're living your life. What drew you back to Washington D.C. and the Gallaudet program? I've always loved Gallaudet. I've always loved college basketball. When I was here, I thought I would love to coach college basketball, but I was realistic too. I knew that the only opportunity to coach college basketball would be at Gallaudet. So I moved to Minnesota for a while and then went back home to California. And it was always in the back of my mind. And then the opportunity came up and I thought, why not put my hat into the ring? And I've loved college basketball and Gallaudet so much, I was willing to make the move back to the East Coast just for the opportunity to coach college ball at Gallaudet. And the reason why I love coaching is just the opportunity to work with young men and try and work with them to see them become successful during the season and outside the season when they graduate and become successful in their lives. That's the biggest reward for me and that's what I want to do with my life is help other young men be successful and really pass it on. So, and I thought it was a great opportunity for me to chase my dream in both ways both coaching basketball and helping young men be successful. When it comes to recruiting, one would think you've got the advantage over anybody who is hard of hearing, who, who, who is deaf, who they, of course they would want to come to Gallaudet, but a lot of those students would also like to go on and go to a mainstream school. So what are the challenges when it comes to recruiting for yourself? And what do you try and say or prove to get them to come to Gallaudet? Gallaudet is a wonderful place and it's full of opportunities because we have people from all over the world who come to Gallaudet and when they come here they will meet people from different parts of the United States and across the world and it's that development of a network and that network then leads to opportunities it leads to lots of things that helps them to succeed on top of that we're in Washington, D.C. Many opportunities for employment after graduation from Gallaudet. And the point of coming to 
college is to get a degree, sure to play basketball, but to be successful, to get a job and have a successful life in Washington DC is a great opportunity for lots of deaf people. It's probably one of the best places in the world for deaf people looking for a job. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. I really, uh, uh, a unique opportunity for us, and I thank you for taking the time. Uh, a tradition on our show is we always give the final word to the, to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Thank you all for your support. Our success so far is not our own. It's for everyone, all the Gallaudet Basin supporters, and we think that what's ours is also yours and our success isn't, doesn't just belong to us. So thank you everyone for your continued support. And I wanna thank you too for giving me the opportunity to chat with you this morning. Absolutely, thank you coach very much, I appreciate it. Again, they're eight and three overall, six and zero in conference play. They're playing tonight as this is airing against Penn State Abington. Keep an eye on that score. That is the first of eight games in 17 days. They jam them in the rest of this uh, month. They'll be on the road against St. Elizabeth and Penn College, who they just uh, played this past weekend and beat both teams. Then they're at home against SUNY Poly, SUNY Cobbleskill, and Wilson before closing out the month on the road against Casanova and Morrisville State. We'll keep an eye on the Bison and see if maybe, just maybe, they can make their first NCAA tournament in program history. Next up, we head a little bit further up the road. We're going to change conferences, we're going to change regions, and we're going to change genders. Talk women's basketball at Catholic University. It's a Washington, D.C. edition of Hoopsville. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more right after this. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We have traveled a little farther up into the northeast part of Washington, D.C., from Gallaudet, now to Catholic University here at the DuFour Center. I'm Dave McHugh. I'm now joined by Coach Matt Donahue, the head coach of the women's basketball team here for the Cardinals. And first and off, thanks for taking the time to join me. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I've got a trip to D.C. I might as well get a trip into the DuFour Center, there right? There you go. It's been a while since you've been here, I think. Right? It has been a little while. has been a little while. Hey, 11-2 overall, 2-0 so far in landmark play. We should point out we were actually talking before their game on Wednesday against Elizabethtown. Obviously, this is airing on Thursday so a little bit just keep that in mind while we're talking so 11 and 2 overall 2 and 0 in conference play and you know that's a pretty good start so far in what will be a heck of a conference race yeah I mean we're, we're pretty excited uh, out of the gates here about how how things have gone how we've competed naturally like every team across the country we've got some things to work on and uh, we're about to find out a lot about ourselves pretty quickly coming up here starting tomorrow and then moving over the next month and change uh, but certainly happy with where things are currently you know we should point out obviously just two games in we're a little bit of a different conference look now that Merchant Marina has left so you don't have as many games as you as you had been playing with E-Town in, in place but now kind of back to that traditional schedule that you've had for a number of years so we're two games in we haven't played the Scrantons we haven't played the Elizabeth Towns though that's the game that we're <laughs> we're we're going to be uh, we were talking about prior to or, or Moravian so there's still a little bit to, to, to decipher but at the same time 
you guys are kind of in the position you thought you would be in this season. That's at the top. Well, you know, we thought we had an ability to compete with the teams at the top of the conference, and, and certainly uh, we felt like we had an ability to be in the mix. What we're learning and seeing, obviously, as we get further into the season, is our conference uh, is much deeper than people probably had anticipated out of the gates mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year. And you've got a lot of great, strong, quality teams within our conference. And as you look around the league and you see some of the results, you know, Elizabethtown and Scranton, Susquehanna, Moravian, Moravian, Elizabethtown, you're seeing a lot of very close, tight games, overtime games, one- and two-point games. So uh, what we're learning very quickly is you have to be ready not to be coach-speak or clichéic. You really have to be ready to play each game as it comes to you. Well, and even the bottom of the conference has kind of come up yeah. a little bit. The bottom teams have gotten a little bit more competitive, which has made it that you don't necessarily get a game off. You don't never get a game off, but you definitely have a little bit more competition on every single night, and you have to be prepared. Well, certainly, and we're seeing that. I mean, having played, you know, played Drew so far was a heck of a game where they, they took us deep in the second half before we were able to grab control of the game, and, you know, so we're learning other teams that we've seen in the conference are competing very well in their independent schedules and, and also giving people trouble as they play them in conference. Your two losses, both out of conference, one to Salisbury, who obviously has a pretty good squad, have had a squad maybe better than many anticipated this year and then a loss to FTU form not the FTU form we're used to in the past is that one of those uh, games you kind of look at and go that one got away from us well you know if, I'd love to say that but I think doing so <laughs> would take be taking credit away from FDU uh, they're a very good squad I, I want to say they're somewhere in the range of 11 and 2 12 and 2 at this point and while the the names and the faces have changed um, the style of play and how hard they play and the defensive pressure has it and they're a very good program that I'm sure within their conference and beyond will be heard from before all said and done. Having said that, we, we had a great opportunity against them, had a great shot, and um, you know they, they made plays down the stretch, and when the game was on the line, they were able to close it out. So you tip your hat to them and, and hope as a team you, we learn from that and get better moving forward. I should point out that was obviously a, a home conference or a home non-conference game in your, in your tournament around the holidays. Um, when we look at the conference race ahead, obviously you, you will have played E-Town by the time this airs. You have Moravian coming up. The end of the season finishes, and I quote, Scranton, Elizabeth, and then at Mar Moravian. There is a lot ahead of you. Yes. So how do you handle games now with the, with the games down the road? obviously on the radar. Yeah, I mean, again, looking at how strong I believe the conference is this year, it, it becomes even more critical to really focus in on what we need to do you know, to play the team in front of us. And in this case, it's Elizabethtown. Um, you know, again, it is very cliche to say that, and it's coach speak to say that, but you look at Elizabethtown and Scranton and, and Moravian and Susquehanna and so forth through the rest of the conference, they're all very different teams, and they all play very different styles of play. And so to really look past the team in front of us is doing your team a disservice, uh, you know, in terms of what they've got to do to be successful on that given day. And so that really is the biggest thing for us. And that's been the mission is we'll focus on what we have today and then we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. Um, you know, in Elizabethtown, we know we've got a very strong opponent and they defend incredibly well. Uh, they've got a preseason uh, player of the year candidate and for my money, an All-American candidate and Emily Martin over there. And, and so we definitely have our hands full with them. Scranton, since Trevor Woodruff, I mean, Scranton's good. We already yeah. know that. But when Trevor Woodruff took over the program, it almost looked like they actually took a step higher. I mean, they practically go the season undefeated last year. They come right back and they're doing the exact same thing this year. But you guys are maybe 
able to compete with them this year. They're not unbeatable. They've shown signs of of kinks in the armor, as it were, so far this season. But then on top of that, we've got Moravian and E-Town, who's actually off to an interesting start in the conference. And we've talked about the bottom being a little bit more tough. Is this the deepest this conference has been either ever or in quite some time? Well, you know, I'm in my ninth year here, and, and I think you could definitely argue that this is the deepest the conference has been. Um, you know, I certainly have always believed it's a very strong conference. Our teams have fared very well out of conference. But when you look top to bottom this year, uh, you know, it's a strong conference. It's a deep conference. So um, I think you certainly could make that argument. With Scranton, though, the way they are, is this a race for second? Or do you think you can knock Scranton off and make this a race for first? I think a lot of us would like to believe that, um, that we can compete with them. Um, you know, certainly they're an exceptional team. They're very well coached. Um, they've got two All-Americans in their front court. Uh, they've got a fantastic backcourt with uh, returning Rookie of the Year with Bridget Mann. Uh, so they're very talented, and on top of that, they're extremely well coached. So, you know, day in, day out, they're going to be ready when you hit the floor against them. And, you know, I'm sure that they've had the expectation that they're going to get everybody's best shot. And, and certainly that's what it takes to beat a team like that. You've got to play. You've got to play your best game, and you've got to be ready to, you know, to try and minimize their strengths as best you can. Uh, but but certainly I don't, I don't think anybody can ever enter an equation or enter a, a game or a season thinking, hey, we're playing for a second. I think, you know, the thought process has always got to be whether it's us or anybody else we want to be as good as we possibly can be and whether that's first second third or beyond we'll find out uh, but certainly the talk for us is how good can we be let's let's push to to exceed those expectations and be as strong as we can be on the flip of that obviously home court advantage is always something you want to take advantage of so in a case against Scranton or a case against Moravian or Etown is it better to try and knock that team off at home and that's where you get the advantage or is it because of less distractions your goal is almost to hopefully nail them on the road and then return it at home yeah I wish I had the answer to that for you <laughs> uh, you know and I look at last year's results and, and you know with, with some teams like Elizabethtown you know we fared well up there and then they got us here and the year before we fared well here and they got us yeah. there and so you know I think the real the reality of it is you can never overlook where you are uh, and you can never take home field or home court excuse me for granted you've, you've got to be ready to play and you know I'm sure tomorrow when we walk in there they're they're not gonna be thinking hey we're at home you know this we've got our home court advantage I, I'm sure they'll be thinking about playing as well as they can to succeed in that game tomorrow and I think everybody else takes the approach this similar approach we talked about the conference being deep the region is deep this year the CAC we mentioned you played Salisbury. You've got Salisbury and Mary, uh, Marymount. You've got Mary Washington and Christopher Newport, top 10 team in Christopher Newport. That's a deep uh, conference. The MAC Commonwealth has got Messiah, who's currently undefeated, with Albright and Stevenson lurking. This is an extremely deep region. You're a former National Committee member and thus regional chair. You understand the dynamics of that. Someone's going to be disappointed. So how does that influence how you prepare for games because it almost feels like every single game is going to have a major impact come the end of February. Yeah, and I think it will. I, I think I mean, you spoke to a great point there in how deep the region is with the CAC and the Centennial and beyond. Yeah, I didn't even mention the Centennial. And, and so, um, you know, with so many strong conferences, um, you've got to focus on each game because each game becomes that much more important. And you've got to make sure that, you know, your team does its best to not 
uh, not take a night off. Uh, make sure as a staff you're not taking a night off or overlooking anybody because you're at that point in the time of the year where each game can cost you. Uh, and so you have to be ready. And, and I think every coach is realizing that as you look around and you see how many teams within our region are nationally ranked or are in others receiving votes in, in the D3 hoops poll, uh, poll and beyond. Uh, so the biggest thing is making sure that, you know, and I learned this as a national kid, remember, you know, that you, you, if you let your guard down for one moment, you drop one game, it could come back to haunt you. And so it becomes that much more critical to be focused each game and not really think too much about the big picture. And, and we've really tried to hammer that home. I think last year in some regards, we probably got caught up in bigger picture things. And I think that hurt us. And at the end of the day, it's really been kind of our mantra over and over again, focus on you know the day in hand. This game coming up tomorrow is really all that we should care about. It's all that should matter. Yeah, we didn't even mention the Centennial as well. You're talking, I'm thinking. You've got Muhlenberg, who's ranked, Haverford, who's good. McDaniel's been in the conversation in the past. Maybe he has fallen off. I didn't even mention York yep. in the Capital Athletic Conference, who's returned to form. It's a really deep region, and you were on the committee. I think the last time the region was a little bit more split up. I think yep. the CAC was still half in the Atlantic. You were on the committee when Catholic had that large bid and unfortunately had to come off the call, and I know that was a long time, <laughs> waiting for when they were going to call you back, essentially, or bring you back on often after mute. Um, and you guys ended up missing out. Does yep. that still stick with you? Players may have changed by, by this point in time, but has that stuck with you on how important not only scheduling is, but how important every game is? Certainly. Uh, you know, that was, that was a long time <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> sitting was. in yeah. kind of you know, limbo. limbo or purgatory or however you want to refer <laughs> yeah. Reference it, uh, but it does stick with you. And you, you start when, you know, I remember kind of going through that evening and sitting back, thinking back through each and every game of the year and, you know, how this loss or this performance Oof. on this night may have impacted things. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you have to keep those things in mind. And, and I think it, it's, it helps you zero and even more on how important this game is and that game is and each game as it comes. And, you know, last year I certainly thought, you know, by the end of the year, you know, we were a team that could have competed in a national tournament. We didn't earn that opportunity, and we didn't earn that opportunity because of how we got out of the gates, and because of games that you know we let get away early, or you know teams where we were just outplayed out of the gates. And so, um, you know, we've tried to talk about that. And so far as we can't think about anything except the game in front of us, uh, because each and every game you play is so vastly important. You know, you don't want to be sitting there wondering what more could you have done uh, when the selection when the selection committee is making those decisions. Um, you know, on that evening. And so it's just so critical um, each game, especially as you hit January, the first regional rankings are coming up in a few weeks. And you want to know that you've done all you can as a complete program to be ready. So. If I remember that correctly, I think you even went up against, I think the landmark may have been split in, in, to some degree because I think you were f up against other landmark and other CAC yeah. teams, which was rare. They've, I think it was the next year or the year after they, they fixed that. So, but it was one of those rare instances that literally you were facing conference foes yes. on the other side of the table. Um, let's flip back to, to this season a little bit more. Obviously, off to a good start. You've got a couple great players. Um, you're led by a lot of seniors. Um, obviously, you have a couple that have got 2,000 points. Michelle DeSantis and Melissa Erico happen to be leading the team at both 15 and 14.2 points, respectively. Uh, Erico with 6.2 rebounds, not the leader. The leader is uh, Lonnie at 6.8. But I want to talk about those two and the other senior class along with that. Do you, there's a lot of seniors, and then there's a drop-off to the point where you have some freshmen and sophomores. Does that make it feel like this is the year that you need to take advantage of the opportunity because you don't know what next year may bring? Well, 
we're strangely young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have we have four seniors. <laughs> Scary <that> I, <laughs> for the future. A little worrisome. <laughs> a little it's, different now. Right. And and we I think we realize that we have an opportunity to compete and compete with some of the best teams within our region. Certainly, uh, I think our seniors have grasped that. You know, we 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 had. You know, three very strong captains last year that graduated, and you know their their seasons ended, their careers ended without the opportunity to play beyond that conference championship game. And so, you know, certainly we talked in the off season about what we needed to do differently this year. Um, we've been very blessed to have four very strong leaders as seniors this year that have led the charge, going all the way back to when we first hit campus. You know, as a, it's, it can be frustrating as a Division three coach um, that your your student athletes. Get Get here and it's hurry up and wait <clears throat> and yeah. they're kind of left to their own devices and, and hopefully they're taking time to work out and prepare and get ready for the season at hand um, you know what was exciting for us is to know that our seniors were leading our, our returners and our freshmen in those preparations getting ready coming into season so I think when October 15th rolled around we hit the ground running because they had been preparing themselves and so certainly I, I think our seniors realize this is it for them. This is their last shot to be as good as they can be as a program, and they've treated practices and games like that um, each and every day. Yeah, I should point out that the three seniors that are at the top of the list, DeSantis, Erico, and Lonnie. Lonnie coming back two years ago had a knee injury. Yep. By all accounts, she's, she's at tip-top form now. She's uh, also uh, she's just a shade under double digits at 9.6 points a game. And then again, DeSantis and Erico at both 2,000-point scores. That is one heck of a, of a trio that you've got there. How much is it also important that that trio is teaching and, and, and helping those younger players understand what this is all about? It's very important. And, and I'll also throw Bridget Power into the mix yes, as a senior. Yep. You know, Bridget's had been an a, injury earlier on, right? She was out pretty much the entire first half of the year there uh, until right around late December um, with, with an injury. And so, you know, it's been interesting even watching her figure out ways to contribute and lead while she was healing up from her injury um, while the other three seniors were on the court um, in practices and games really teaching leading by example um, it's been very important you know when you come in to a program at the collegiate level you don't quite understand what it's all about you know a lot of times you kind of think you do uh, and then <laughs> the games true. start rolling around and you realize how good all of these players are that we're playing against and these teams that we're competing against so it's been important and it's been huge for our seniors to impart those lessons to our freshmen and we've had to rely on those freshmen to fill some pretty major roles out of the gates and uh, they've done a great job all four of our seniors at, at doing that. You speak of the freshmen, uh, third, or fourth on the point uh, on points is Peyton Smith who's a junior, started all games. Molly Reynolds a freshman and Megan Stafford are the next on the list. They are freshmen and they're making significant uh, contributions so you are getting those underclassmen yes. into some really important roles. Yeah, and that's been, we knew we were going to need them to fill some roles, um, with what, especially looking at what we graduated last year from the program. And, you know, we knew it would be important for, you know, Peyton, for instance, to grow and take that next step in her development as a player. Um, you know, she's really grown tremendously this year as a player, as a, as a presence on the floor, um, to watch Molly and Megan kind of figure out life as we've gotten into things here out of the gates as freshmen has, have been, has been great to see. And, you know, we've gotten good contributions from Sydney Poindexter uh, as a freshman as well and Caroline Sullivan. And, you know, that's helped us in, in terms of win some, some key games uh, as we've opened up the year here. Um, obviously, we're at that midpoint. This is kind of where the season can start to, to grind a yep. little bit, especially you guys are back in session. Most schools are not. But it is a grind at this point. This is where it almost comes a little mundane or can become yep. a little mundane. 
But you've got a lot of important games, as yeah. we've mentioned, still ahead of you. So what is the message to the team, or what is, how are you trying to keep them focused and understanding what the task at hand really is? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a game. Yeah, <laughs> and true. it's got to be Absolutely. fun. And so we do what we can to, make, to help them realize you know, they're getting an opportunity that thousands of kids across the country don't really get, uh, and that's the opportunity to play college basketball. Um, you know, I think we, we do a pretty good job at keeping things light at times while also keeping them focused, if that makes sense. And it's a, it's a balancing act because you have to be focused and serious in practice. Um, but these are young women, 18 to 22 years old, that want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to enjoy the experience along the way. And I think that is critical to getting the most out of the experiences, enjoying kind of that journey together that year on as a team. And so, you know, we've reminded them of that throughout the season and, you know, trying to keep our, ourselves calm and level after a tough loss and, and likewise after a great win and so uh, but you're right you get into mid-January here and you know the season starts to grind and you know, you're trying to avoid those drills that might be redundant and you know yeah. here we go we're doing this again and um, come on so coach I know the weave <laughs> exactly <laughs> so trying to keep things as fresh as we can and, and also you know do what we can to help them enjoy the experience that they're in um, Obviously, we're halfway through, as we mentioned. You've got the, the important games ahead. I look at your scoring. You're averaging 69 points a game. You're giving up 54 points a game. person like myself who can't watch every game in the world but looks at a lot of box scores says, okay, this is defensive-minded. Is that the correct interpretation of this team? Or does it just happen to be that you're holding teams down and you don't have to put the pressure on the offense? No, I, I mean, we, we made a concerted effort to be a better defensive team this year. Uh, last year, as, as we went through the year, we eventually came around and became a better defensive team, uh, but I thought we needed to be stronger early in the year and as the year went on. And, and like everyone else, we have things we've got to do better and we've got to correct in um, certain areas of our defense that need to improve. Uh, but it has been a concerted effort in terms of being a better defensive team. I would, you know, if you ask our kids, they'll probably tell you we were a week before we even talked about offense out of the gates this year starting the season. Oh, that's and, fun. Um, so I don't know if they thought it was fun <laughs> in the moment, <laughs> um, but, but it was, it was, it's definitely something we talk a lot about, and, and uh, we've made a, a real focus, focal point of growing as a team defensively. You know, you look at the teams that have been at the top of the conference, and you know, I think you know, Scranton, as good as they are offensively, I don't know if they get enough credit for how good they are defensively. And, you know, you look at Elizabethtown this year and how strong they are defensively. I think, you know, they've had two teams score over 50 points against yeah. them this year. And so at the end of the day, if you're going to be left standing when all said and done, you've got to be a strong defensive team in this league. And, um, you know, that's been a major focal point for us um, throughout the entirety of this season. Is this a team, though, that can turn it on offensively if necessary? 69 points a game isn't anything that, you know, jumps out at anybody. But I look also at your roster and I see players that make me think, geez, if they turn it on, they can go. So can you flip the switch and become an offensive juggernaut if necessary? I hope so. <laughs> you may need <laughs> you to, <know>? right? <laughs> it's I, you know, one thing we've tried to really work towards is balance um, and, and having you know, enough players on the floor that are offensive threats. We, we you know, we want to be a team that can put five, <clears throat> excuse me, five offensive threats on the court at all times. And so, you know, what we're hoping is we, we get to that point where we can get five people clicking yeah, at the right, same time. Yeah. And, you know, if we can do that, then, you know, yeah, you get to that point where you're as good as you can be offensively. Um, you know, again, 69 points, I think, is strong. I'd like to be better offensively. I think, I certainly think there's things we can do, you know, from a perimeter-oriented team in terms of our shooting, uh, our foul shooting. Um, and so it's really been about balance where we have five people on the floor that can score and then 
being consistent in all those areas. You know, it just seems like you know some games where maybe we shoot the three-point shot well and we're not as strong from the foul line, or we're strong from the foul line, maybe not as strong from the perimeter, or we're really great in the interior, and you know, et cetera. And so, yeah, I, my hope is as the year gets on, we'll we'll get to that point of balance and consistency that's going to take to be as successful as we can be. Before I let you go, I kind of want to get your opinion as you've been around a while. You've been on the national committee, obviously. The Baruch case comes out over the summer talking about how they tried to make their program better by finding creative ways to get students on. Then the beginning of the season starts and we find out that Thomas Moore is vacating a national title in all their games because one of their students was, they tried to help one of their students essentially and it was deemed illegal by the NCAA. And now we're reeling from the news out of Stevens Point, and we haven't even heard it officially yet from the NCAA, that suspending their coach because of illegal practices. All of those combined, do you ever, does it ever give you pause to, to look at what you're doing as a program to make sure that either A, you're in compliance, or B, that maybe we need to take step, more steps to, con, to con, because they say coaches are the ones in charge of their compliance. Does it make you go, maybe we need to do more things to be in compliance? Um, yeah, I, I think we're pretty fortunate here at Catholic to have a great system of checks and balances. I think there's a lot of great institutions across the country that also have that same mm -hmm. you know, system of checks and balances to make sure you're doing things the proper way. I think any time you hear a story like you know the ones that you just mentioned, it's important to make sure you take a step back and look at kind of the overall structure of your program to make sure that you are doing things the right way. Make sure you're not in any way, shape, or form cutting any corners. Um, you know, I, I take great pride in what we do here and, and um, the leadership we have, uh, certainly in our administration here at Catholic, as well as the leaders we have in our student population. Um, you know, I, I'm also happy to say I don't think our kids would let me get away with, <laughs> with it with anything, uh, certainly outside of the bounds there. Um, but I think you have to. It, it, it's just human nature when you hear about these things taking place to really take a moment just to reflect and make sure you're doing everything the right way. Um, because it is, you know, it, it's always the student athletes that suffer in that situation um, and, and really feel the brunt of, of you know, kind of, those those incidents when they take place and so uh, I never want to deprive a student athlete of you know the most optimal experience they can have and so it's important to make sure that we're staying within the lines and doing things the right way. Per that what were your reactions what were your reactions or overall reaction when you heard the news of those three cases? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much about each program. I would sure. say I'm familiar with with Baruch's. Um, From a Division three point yeah. of view, though, just as a as a coach in the division. Well, it's it's disappointing to hear. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that you know I'm here at Catholic in my ninth year here, and is because I believe in the whole philosophy of Division three athletics. It's it's something that's very close to my heart, uh, and and I take great pride in as a division what we endeavor to do in terms of helping develop the entire student athlete from an academic athletic standpoint, et cetera. And so it's disappointing when you see those cases where, you know, there are different programs or folks that may get caught up in, you know, kind of that win win mentality or, you know, be as successful as you can just simply on the court. For me, it's always been about, you know, educating and, and you know, being as successful as you can on and off the court. Sure. Whether it's in being involved in your community, uh, within, you know, doing as well as you can in the classroom. Um, you know, beyond not making a national tournament, I'm, I'm more agitated that, you know, we've been on the outskirts of being one of those top 25 academic teams that the WBCA <laughs> announces every year at the end of the year. And so those are the things that yeah. drive me is making sure that our student athletes get the best of their entire experience. And so, yeah, when you hear about some of these stories, and uh, it, it's disappointing to hear because it speaks directly against what Division Three is all about. So.
Well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially here on your own floor, yes. to uh, talk about your team. Looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season goes. It looks like it's going to be fun to watch the Landmark and fun to watch Catholic along the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just appreciate including us today and having us in. I, I think what you do for Division Three athletics on the men's and women's side is fantastic and really helps shine a spotlight on some pretty fantastic student-athletes and programs uh, across the country. So really appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for all you do. Well, thank you, Coach. Uh, I should remind you again, they will have played Elizabeth Town, but Town by the time this airs. So coming up, they will be at home against Moravia and then home against Goucher. We'll move on quickly. <laughs> they do have a looming game at Scranton coming up in a week and a half. When we come back, we have plenty more ahead. We'll plenty more basketball to talk about here on Hoopsville. Remember to follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us. Don't forget the mailbag's coming up. So email us questions. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. And, of course, if you're watching on demand or listening to the podcast, we thank you. Don't forget, you can download the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or watch it on demand on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Coach. We'll come out of D.C. and go back to the WBCA and ABC studios after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint. It was all state. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It's been a jam-packed show thanks to the trip down to Washington, D.C., and we will do our proper thank yous. A little bit later. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsil or hashtag Hoopsil. Email us Hoopsil at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsil where we're streaming. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> a couple people <laughs> recognizing some of the coaches from their travels through Division Three, uh, which is kind of cool. 
Um, going to keep things going along because we are running a little bit late. We're going to keep with the women's basketball theme. Um, Calvin College had an interesting decision in the offseason. Jeff Ross decided to step aside and focus just on his tennis responsibilities. If you don't know the Calvin setup, the old setup used to be that coaches had coached multiple teams or they, they also taught. Uh, they're slowly but surely working away from that, from what I, everything I've gathered, but that doesn't mean that Jeff Ross was entitled to that opportunity. So he decided to step away from women's basketball, if you can believe it, to coach his very good tennis team. Who replaces him? Chunk w- Chuck Wickelman from Millsaps. He, he's not too bad. Uh, he was doing pretty well at Millsaps and, of course, now doing pretty well at Calvin. He joins us on the City of Salem's Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for the kind words. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I'll admit, uh, when Calvin's job came open, I had two thoughts. Okay, this could be a who's who, but at the same time, it's a very unique location very unique school, very unique job with everything that it entails. This isn't going to get just anybody. And then when I, you got hired, I looked at your background and went, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, it's been a great fit, and uh, we really are settling in. I'm glad the family has joined me after a fall semester in, in Mississippi, finishing up one of our daughter's schools um, endeavors. So uh, it's, uh, we've been very, uh, feel very blessed to have the opportunity to be here. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different than down south in, in Millsaps. The snow's a little bit deeper. Um, the cold is a little bit colder. But at the yes, same sir. time, you've got one heck of a facility in DeVos. I'm assuming this wasn't that hard a decision. Well, I think, um, you know, this is about relationships, so I don't think anything's ever easy. Um, you know, the kind of culture I think we established at Hendricks and Millsaps, uh, it's always hard to leave, to be honest with you, um, because I feel like I'm very, very connected. You know, over time it takes uh, – takes time to build relationships with your players and your programs like you like. Um, you kind of got to go through some battles. So that, that, that is hard to leave. Um, but I, I feel like um, through conversations with, you know, a lot of my peers in the industry, th- this was a good fit for me. Um, I really wanted to be a part of one of the top athletic programs in the country, which is this is with a national championship in volleyball this fall and a men's soccer team that finished runner-up. It is all that and more than I thought it would be in a very cool city. I think Grand Rapids is, is you know, it's number two safest city in our country for its size with over one million residents. And it, it, uh, it bodes well for building a championship program here on a national scale. And, and I think we're going to build a culture of truth and love where young women from all over the country can come in and embrace all this and do this together as a, as a, real, uh, as a real authentic basketball team. Got to see Calvin <clears throat> men's soccer finishes the runner up calling that game. What a yes, spectacular sir. game that was. Um, it, it, you know, obviously you, you, you walk right into one of the best rivalries in college basketball as well against Hope. You also walk into an interesting conference this season and trying all of these things we'll get to. But I am kind of curious how much I know they're trying to change things up there. How much teaching are you doing? You have the background that fits this school with the kinesiology side of you, the, the major right. that you had, but I also know that they're trying to to allow coaches to coach more. So are you teaching or are you straight coaching? No, no, no teaching, and I think you hit it. Uh, you're uh, well-educated. I think the last few hires have been um, really focused on the coaching aspect of it. I think you could see it eventually a really a, a, it, it, the umbrella of athletics underneath kinesiology, I think, is changing. There's a lot of conversation you know, with that here on campus and being new, I can't really speak to it a great deal, but 
I'm hired here to coach women's basketball, and I have a secondary responsibility as an event manager um, for for just getting people to to table help and those things at games. So it is gives me time to really dig deep, and uh, you really have to admire and respect what John Ross did here with all the duties that he had. Um, I really admire that how to manage all that. Um, I'm uh, I'm very impressed with what he did when you get in here and you you take on the challenge. Um, and then you think think about what he did with all the responsibilities. Um, you got to be impressed with that. Um, I, I assume Kevin uh, Vandestreek just gives you the stink eye when he walks past uh, sure. with his three classes and everything else he's got to do. <laughs> yeah, he, but he's been here a long, long time, and yes. he's uh, he's got a great group, um, a very consistent group of of men that have been together a long time as a staff, and. Uh, that's a dream of mine, to create that kind of culture and develop those kind of relationships in Grand Rapids and Western Michigan, where you can have that um, that kind of continuity would serve our young women in our program very well. I think I accidentally said the Voss Center earlier. I did mean Van Nord Arena. I, I understand. Sorry. I caught that, but I didn't want to jump all over you. No, you had a long no, day. It's. Uh, I'm really hoping those Hope and Calvin fans aren't too miffed at me. I will be maybe at the DeVos Center later this year, but that's a whole other conversation. Sure. Um, th- hey, you've jumped right in. Thirteen and two overall, five and two in conference play. Um, certainly got off to a roaring start, winning uh, the first six in a row before help unceremoniously welcomed you to the MIA and the rivalry. Yep. Uh, then you ran off another five straight before trying tripped you up. And now you won two straight. So the, obviously, the question I have for you is: You've been welcomed to this conference unceremoniously by Hope and Calvin. Um, what do you think of what you've got ahead of you since the only two losses are the two teams ranked currently in the top 25? Right. You know, and I, and I, and I you know, you, you take them as they come, and, and you, we can talk about scheduling, but we don't have time to get into that too much. <laughs> but, we, you know, we, we, are, we are about to play Albion on Saturday on the road. So presently, as the standings, you know, are right as of today, we're really playing the three other top you know, of the four, we're playing all three of those on the road to start conference season. Yeah. And we got hope, honestly, Dave, a little early when you're yeah. talking about building a team, a new system, a lot of change. And, sure. uh, and I'm not saying, you know, that's, that's not the reason why we lost. Um, but to, to, I like how we're improving. Um, we had a great opportunity in overtime to win at Trine, which would have been huge. They've got an outstanding basketball team, and, and Anna Timmer was in foul trouble that night. I, I like how we're becoming a little more gritty, and uh, we're really becoming a little more defensive-minded, and I think defense travels. It's always been something of a staple of mine, and I, and I think to, to you have to play a style of basketball that gives you an opportunity to beat the other best teams on the road, and I, I really hope that at trying, maybe that started to really sink in with the young women on our team that if we do these things and we play the way is necessary for us in our present situation, that we have a chance to beat these teams. And these are both of those teams to me are talented enough to advance the Sweet 16 in the national tournament right now today and, and really be a difficult out in the national tournament. This is a quality conference that I'm walking right into with teams that have greatly improved their programs, and Trine is a perfect example of that. You've got a team that's got a, a few seniors on it, three to be exact. Uh, one of them is a second-leading scorer on the team. Um, one of them doesn't see a lot of playing time. 
Uh, Anna Timmer is that is that senior at thirteen point nine points a game. She's hauling down about eleven rebounds a game too. Nice double double from her. Yes. Uh, Allie, is it Spade? I assume. Allie Spade. Yes. Sixteen point nine points a game. Uh, nearly three assists a game. On top of that, but I should mention Timmer's also got two steals a game. And I hope I say Bray's last name correctly. Let's try it here. Lutsema. 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 I tried You're too hard. You're pretty close. I tried too hard. She's a junior. Uh, and then another senior in Lauren uh, Goldthorpe at 10.7 points a game. So four players, double figures, two of them seniors. And everyone's got to get used to your new system. Um, while you have to get used to everybody else, I'd at least say at 13-2 and two, you're off to a pretty good start and have four players in double figures with two of them with significant rebounds and three of them with quite a bit of contributions. That's not a bad way to get going there. No, though, then I think we've talked about, I think balance offensively is our strength. Um, and then those, those four do a great deal for us in many ways. Bree is a tremendous athlete and gets assigned the other team's best, you know, oftentimes, most of the time, a perimeter player. Um, though it depends on what type of four we're playing against, but, Two young women that we didn't mention, Rachel Warners and Nicole Meyer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not a numbers guy, you know, but if we're going to use the five hole, um, those two um, are are holding up well. They played um, the interior players at Hope and the interior players um, at Trine very, very well, and all those are incredible, incredibly talented young women that 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 uh, Rachel and, and Nicole took on as a sophomore and as a freshman. Um, so very pleased with with those two young ladies as well, and um, but certainly um, the previous four mentioned what they bring to the table um, in terms of the uh, ability to do things with the basketball are, are, are really special. But I think they're very mindful that um, you know Coach Wink really wants them to think about playing great defense all the time, and I think that's where we've seen some tremendous strides with this team, and I hope it continues. We'll need it on Saturday. You don't have that deep a team, according to the stats. Six players have played in 15 games, which stands out to me. The next, um, you've played seven in 12 of the, or sorry, 13 of the 15, and eight in 12 of the 15, nine in 11 of the 15. So basically, you aren't going that deep into the bench. Um, You get down to a player with nine, and that's about it. I mean, that's kind of where you stop. Yeah, we, we're really in a seven-man rotation right now, and uh, that's an adjustment that's different. Um, and uh, so we're really a little bit thin there. And, and it's just one of those situations where I don't want to put young women out there on the floor where, where they're not going to succeed. And we're just not in a position yet to do that. Um, but I, I, we are our very fit team. You know, and if people really look at basketball and you – Pull up a UConn box uh, score sometimes as you go through the national tournament or even in the regular season, and you look at the quality of players on that 15-woman roster, um, Geno's not going very deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's one of those things right now that that's who we are, um, and uh, we're going to go with it. And, uh, you know, th- during the winter, it's a time, during the season, it's a time to, to build a team. Um, to grow a team, and the way things are set up, one of the frustrating things here at the Division Three level is we don't have a lot of contact off-season. We don't really have any outside the 19 weeks, um, and that's a topic of conversation, certainly, you know, in the last few weeks of what's happened. Yeah. Um, in terms of player development, 
some of these young women would, would love for me to have the extra time to go on a floor with them in the fall or the spring and, and work with them a little bit on their game. But we play by the rules, and those are the rules. And uh, I would love to have more contact, but it is what it is. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. But we, we will grow a bench. There's a many, many ways to grow a bench. And uh, we'll get to a point where I feel like we'll play. We'll go a little deeper um, as time passes. Rest of the season, you uh, as you mentioned, on the road at Albion on Saturday. Then you're at home again, or, or sorry, on the road against Rochester of Michigan, non-division three on the 18th. Then you get back into conference play with a host of games at home. You'll go to Kalamazoo, yes. then you play four straight at home against Alma, St. Mary's, Hope, and Trine, and then finish at home after two games on the road against Albion. So at least you can take advantage of the Van Nord Arena. Um, but at the same time, what do you expect and what's the message to the team for what is obviously a very important final uh, five or so weeks to the season before conference tournament action? Yeah, we just got it. This was fixed at time um, the last week or two. Just really let's, let's be accountable. Um, let's, let's be accountable to the things we got to get better at and let's really get after it and fix it. Um, we got to really dig in. Um, we're talking about NBA, next best action. We use that a lot in playing present and not not um, just moving forward. We have to, every possession, and just digging in. And I think we're, we've really grown in that, um, that area a great deal, and I'm really proud of this team and uh, find it a real privilege and honor to be their head basketball coach here at Calvin. Before I let you go, the atmosphere at Hope is you got introduced to that rivalry um, and what you expect to see at the Van Nord Arena. Uh, I, I think it's a special, special deal. Um, you know, when you think about North Carolina Duke and um, a couple others that ESPN had in that list, and then all of a yeah. sudden you you get there and you see, I think it's number three of the top four. I think it's something along those lines, yeah. And you see Calvin and Hope, and I think that's one reason if, if you're a young woman out there and, and mom and dad wants to find a great city that's extremely safe and a world-class academic uh, you know, program here at Calvin, um, that just makes it even more special. And if I was a young woman looking for a great basketball program of championship quality, I'd want to come to Calvin so I could be a part of that rivalry and experience something very unique that many, many other young people in this country don't have an opportunity to. I'm loving the fact that coaches are starting to take the chance to to recruit via the airwaves, Coach. <laughs> oh, hey, you have to. You I have hear to. You. And I'm just. I think this is a very special place. Yeah. We'll host the Final Four. Yes, you in will. March, and what an what an honor to be selected by the NCAA to do that here. And our administration is so gifted at what they do. It'll be a first class event. It has in the past. And so, uh, when you're hosting those kind of events, it says a lot about the place that. That, that families can send their daughters to, um, both for a great degree and for a quality basketball experience, certainly. Well, sir, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's a little weird not to be talking Millsaps with you, but I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking Calvin with you. I'm going to um, send you some Lance gear. Okay. The, you, you, your family needs a little some night gear now with a Lance, <laughs> not a sword. <laughs> We're no going one, with the Lance. When no one realizes it, Coach, Coach Winkleman sent us some Millsap shirts. Um, I don't remember how long ago it was. And a couple of them were small enough for the kids. My son goes at, does not go more than a week without putting on a Millsap shirt to wear. So, well, no, no, I, <laughs> I, I have great friends at Millsaps, but we we're going to get you some. We're going to try to 
tweak that a little bit and get you some Calvin Knight gear now at the house. I could just hear the Hope fans right now scrambling. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll intercept that. We will intercept that Very for nice. sure. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on the start of the season on your third school. Uh, Hendricks, if nobody is, is, is familiar, was your first stop. Then Millsaps now here at Calvin. <clears throat> Excuse me. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? I just I think uh, I've kind of touched on it already a little bit, and I don't mean to sound redundant, but uh, I'm very, very humbled, um, and I find it to be just a tremendous honor to coach the young women at Calvin and uh, look forward to building something very, very special and God-honoring, certainly, and uh, just appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. I uh, just love what you guys do, D3 Hoops and this whole Hoops fill and your coverage, and uh, appreciate your love of basketball, Dave. Well, thank you, Coach. Well said, especially talking about how much you're loving the job as well. Take care of yourself. I look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. God bless you. I'll take care. Hey, by the way, tell Van Strick I said hi. I will. I will. <laughs> God bless care. you. You Bye. too. Chuck Wiggleman joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Again, the team is 13-2 and overall. They are 5-2 uh, and two in conference play. Albion on the road coming up on Saturday in conference action. Non-conference, non-division three against Rochester, Michigan next week. Uh, then on the road against Kalamazoo. And then, as we said, they close out five of the last seven games at home at the Van Nord Arena, including Hope coming up on February 1st. Going to take a break. We're running behind, so we've got to get out to Iowa. Going to talk to the Prairie Wolves of Nebraska Wesleyan. Another first on this show. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA. NABC Studios will be back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. 
I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Sorry about that. Ran the extra commercial there for you. Uh, welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. We normally have a Hoopsville mailbag segment. <clears throat> but we haven't gotten any emails today or during the week. If you do have questions for us, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook. Or I, let me try that again. If you got questions for the mailbag, even when you're listening to the show, on a podcast, do so by emailing us at hoopsilled3hoops.com. That's what I was trying to get at. Um, that way we can hear from you, answer your questions even when we're not on air, or you're unable to listen to us live. We'll still be able to listen to some of your questions. I'm uh, going to keep things moving here. We have one more segment coming up. Despite the mailbag maybe not appearing, we will um, take a look at a couple buzzer beaters. One took place last night, insane, made Sports Center, and one has already happened tonight, and we've gotten our hands on it. We'll get that in a moment. But let's go out to the West region as uh, we normally cover the East um, Atlanta, uh, East Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. And we're going to switch into men's basketball here. Talk to a team we've actually never had on the show, but they're not unfamiliar with the Division Three. They've actually made it to Salem. Well, maybe not Salem, but they made it to the Final Four in Division Three men's basketball. But they've been playing a hybrid schedule as of late until now. Now they're full members of the IAAC. And they're full members of Division Three now. Not that they weren't full members prior. It's just, it's complicated. Nebraska Wesleyan joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Dale Wellman, the head coach of the program. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Dave, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thank you for, for taking the time. First and foremost, you guys have been on my list since the beginning of the year, but I want to let you get out of the gate first before we really talked about the Prairie Wolves. Obviously, you started to move into Division Three scheduling last year, but now you're fully in it. Obviously, you're traveling in different directions on the bus. How's the first half of the season gone? Well, it's it's been going well. You know, we made this transition, and, and like you had mentioned, we've always been uh, a member. We were a founding member of the NCAA Division Three, but because of our location, we we had this dual affiliation where we right. played in AIA conference, and and we tried. To eat. Uh, we've always tried to schedule Division Three teams as our non-conference opponents. So, um, what has made it, uh, you know, challenging this year, being full Division Three, being in the Iowa Conference, is there's just not a lot of Division Three uh, schools around us. So we have to get on the bus and travel, like you mentioned. Um, and we're doing that with a lot of young guys, a lot of freshmen. We had six seniors last year uh, that graduated. So we're trying to figure ourselves out a little bit early on in the season while at the same time going to some different places, having some long bus trips, which has been good and bad. Uh, obviously a lot of time on the road, but it's also been an opportunity for our guys to really bond. Um, and we're learning a lot about some uh, different schools that we haven't, you know, haven't played the past few years. Um, you guys, being the dual affiliate, though, you never had the issues that some schools do when they come out of NAIA or they come out of another division where they got to dump their scholarships. You guys didn't have those, correct? Obviously, you couldn't as a Division Three member. So in some senses, that aspect was a little bit easier. But how do you tell players and, and those you're even recruiting that going, hey, we're, we're changing the direction here a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We've always had to explain the D3 part of it. Because even though we're located here in Nebraska, um, 
you know, we, we don't recruit against other NCAA Division three teams. We cross over a little in Iowa, but the majority of our recruiting is Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. And obviously there's Colorado College out there, but we're really recruiting against NAIA schools. So we've always had to explain the Division three part, which is a little different coming from, uh, you know, where I was in the past on the East Coast, where everyone was pretty familiar with how Division three works. Yeah. You know, it's all, it, you know, it was a lot of talking to recruits and parents saying, you know, we're Division three. We don't, you know, offer athletic scholarships. And then later on in the process, it would be, hey, you know, how can you really help us out in the financial aid? And, and we would, you know, have to explain to them again. We can't. Uh, we, yeah, <laughs> we just can't. You know, I, I know that schools X, Y, and Z that we're recruiting against can, uh, and they're in our conference, but we, but we really can't. Um, so there was no probationary period because we've always been a member. So hopping in, you know, we haven't changed our recruiting too much, but we ha- really have to explain now why we made this jump and dropped the NAI affiliation, which for us, and I've been a Division three guy, that's what I played. I was an assistant for a long time yep. at the Division three level and, and a head coach, and I believe in it and had a great experience myself. So, you know, I talk about that part, but then we also just talk about the strengths, you know, and we have to compare the NCAA to the NAI a little bit because of who we're recruiting against but without doing it negatively, just saying that, you know, we want to align ourselves with what we believe in, you know, suits our values, but also is the stronger, um, you know, stronger organization. And however you want to look at that, whether it's uh, financially, whether it's numbers, or, or whether it's success. And then we talk about the academic side of it and how that really plays into our philosophies as a university. Talking to Dale Wellman here. We'll talk a little bit about his background in a minute, but want to talk a little bit about the Prairie Wolves and, uh, just to give everybody a sense, your closest competition is Buena Vista and I believe Simpson. I believe they're about three hours or so away from you. Your furthest is Luther. They're a good chunk of six hours, if not more, away on a bus one way, obviously, we're talking about. You guys are sitting currently in third place in the conference. Buena Vista's ahead of yet four and one. Loris four and two. That's conference play. You guys have the third best record in the conference, eleven and four for Loris and Wartburg, and you're sitting at nine and four. What do you have, what have you made of the conference so far through your first five games, and, and what do you think you can do the rest of the way? Well, I tell you what, it, and it all kind of started last year when we knew that we were going to make this transition. Right. I followed not only, obviously, the GPAC, which we were part of last year, but the Iowa Conference as well. And last year, it just seemed like a coin toss. There was so much parity in the conference. Yeah. And it, uh, I feel like there's even more so this year. You know, going through here, it's, you know, whoever has the home court is going to have the advantage that day. Um, I mean, there's two games that separate, you know, the first and the eighth team. Everyone day in, day out, which is nice, which as a coach you want. You want to compete against good teams day in and day out. Um, and and that, that's what we're really finding. You know, even though we haven't played Boris, uh, we've seen them in the games that we've scouted the other opponents and watched them and, and try to figure those, those teams out. And, and, and a lot of these teams just don't have a weakness. So, you know, that was one thing coming into this league. I felt like, you know, although, although Norris was a senior last year and he was the player of the year in the conference, uh, there was a lot of people returning who were on the uh, all-conference teams last year. You know, first team, second team, honorable mention. Just a very experienced conference this year, so we knew that it was going to be good basketball day in and day out. Um, you know, we, we had played Central and Dubuque and Buena Vista last year, three obviously traditionally very good Division three programs in this area. Uh, so we had an idea of what we were getting ourselves into in the quality of, of, of basketball a little bit. We, we tried to hop into it a little last year, and it, it's, it's been the same. You know, it's 
whoever goes out, it seems like, and just has a little bit more energy and a little bit more focus that day is going to win. If, if you don't bring your A game, you're going to lose in this conference. We should mention, by the way, last year's Jostens Award winner was from Nebraska Wesleyan. <clears throat> so a good honor for him, obviously, and, and a way to get the school into the conversation, as it were. Um, you have five players in double figures. You have four seniors on this team, but interestingly enough, at least in the top two, and I'm double-checking my information for the uh, third one, he's not a senior either. Um, I haven't found a senior necessarily leading the way in scoring. I know that seniors play in many other ways, but so far of the top four scores, not one of them is a senior, and as of the top five scores, he's not a senior either. It's an interesting dynamic for this squad. You've got a lot of sophomores and freshmen and juniors who are kind of doing the heavy lifting. Well, you've got four seniors who are probably leading by example. Uh, we do. Um, uh, we have, uh, of the 17 guys we have on our varsity program, 12 of them are freshmen and sophomores. I've been here, this is my third year, so two recruiting classes. And they do, we knew that we were going to be young. We started three freshmen um, and one sophomore uh, this year. Our sophomores actually are leading scorer, and our freshmen are, are uh, right behind those guys. Um, so we are a very young team, and, and that was the, uh, you know, moving into the conference, you know, that was part of it. We, uh, we were trying to figure out the Iowa conference a little bit, but for me, having graduated, as you mentioned, the Jostens Award winner, and we graduated another 20-point score last year for other guys, um, I was trying to figure out my team. I was more worried, really, in September, October, you know, uh, what we were going to have and who was going to play minutes and who, who was going to play this role and that role on our team. I was more worried about that than at that time than, than Central and Buena Vista and, and, and schools. Um, you know, we've tried to figure those things out a little bit, but, but that's been the challenge, just being so young and trying to develop some roles uh, within the team while also battling good competition. When so tell me a little bit about this squad. Is this a squad that can maybe compete at the top of the conference this year? Or kind of figuring out your, the way, as it were, hopefully do the best you can, but really positioning for the next year or two? Well, I, I, I think we're trying to do both. I do think that we have a talented team. I, I, I really do. I think we're talented. We're a tall team. You know, our backcourt, point guard, 6'4", freshman, and two guards are 6'6". Six, six freshmen. So I, I think we have some talent. What we really need to do and, and what happens a lot with, with, with young guys I'm finding out this year is uh, it's so much different than what they're used to in high school. You know, yesterday we traveled, you know, we left at 11 a.m. for an 8 o'clock game in Cedar Rapids against Coe um, and, and getting off the bus. They, they haven't had to do those things in high school basketball and, and, um, and bring your A game for 40 minutes um, and it's a coin toss sometimes on whether we're going to get that effort with these young guys day in and day out. And once it begins to click that, hey, we are a talented team, and when we play with a lot of energy and focus and talk and do the things that we're supposed to, we are talented and we compete with, can't compete with, with anyone. But, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to turn that corner where we can kind of figure that out and, and know that, hey, once we do this, we're going to, we can be very good. Uh, so we focus on this year obviously but in all honesty i really like you know our prospects for the future um you know guys are getting some valuable minutes this year some young guys um you know i i think if we can add to continue to add some pieces to the puzzle each year with recruiting you know i i like our you know i, I like where we could be in the future but obviously focus on the present 
Before we let you go, I gotta gotta talk about your route through Division Three. I almost feel like you made a left hand turn somewhere and got lost in eastern Nebraska. Um, we should mention you started at the School of the South, better known as Swanee. Um, played there, played in a couple NCAA tournaments. Um, graduated from there, then went on to be an assistant coach at Canyon. To me, even dabbled in some Division One a little bit. Then made your way all the way up into New England. Uh, you were at Williams for a while uh, under Dave Paulson. He, he he's been known to, to be a good coach. Um, then you then you hung a left and ended up at Alfred, and they were there for Alfred for a while. And then you then you skipped half the country and, and ended up at Nebraska West. That that is definitely one of the more interesting hop, skip, and jumps through Division Three or in college basketball in general that I have seen. Uh, I would dare ask, was there a plan? I have a feeling there wasn't. Well, there. Uh, it, it was one of those things. I had always known about Nebraska Wesleyan's basketball tradition when I played in the NCAA tournament, NCAA Division Three tournament. Yeah, in '97. They ended up losing in the national championship game, and yep. I always uh, Illinois Wesleyan, and I always remember that. The next year, you know, one of the publications, uh, Street and Smith or something like that, had us as pre had Swanee as preseason number four in the country. And what do you know? Nebraska Wesleyan was at the top, <laughs> and uh, D three Hoops was in its infancy back then, yep. and, and we followed him, and we were hoping Nebraska, you know, Swanee was following Nebraska Wesleyan, hoping that they'd lose. And I think they started out like twenty three and zero that year, never did. <laughs> so. I always knew that they, they had some sort of basketball tradition. And I'd actually been to Lincoln a few times just in my travels here and there and whatever and really found out that I'm from Lexington, Kentucky originally, right outside Lexington, Kentucky, which I think is a great city. I'm biased, obviously. Um, but when this <laughs> job opened, Lincoln I reminded me a lot of Lexington, Kentucky. And, and unless you've been to both, you don't completely understand that. It's a town of you know, 275,000 people. Lexington's a little bigger, about 300,000 people. I've been to Lexington. You know, oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's much flatter here in Lincoln than it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, in, in a college town and a college state where there's no pro teams a lot, people here obviously root for the University of Nebraska right down the street. And, and Kentucky, it's, uh, you know, in Lexington, it's the University of Kentucky. So a similar type of, you know, culture that filters down to the smaller colleges in the state whether it's Nebraska Wesleyan or, or some, of, some of the other. Um, so it, when this job opened up, it was, it was part professional. I thought it was someplace where, you know, another Division three job, which I really believe in, and, and, and that, that's where I wanted to be. But where the ceiling might be able to be a little higher, um, you know, wonderful facilities. You know, we understand that we're not Princeton, Harvard, Yale, or even a – Williams or Amherst here, but in this part of the country, Nebraska Wesleyan has a great academic, um, you know, reputation. Uh, and then a big part of it was personal. You know, I wanted to live in a city that I felt comfortable with, a little bit bigger, but but wonderful place to raise a family. I have two kids and a wife, and, and I knew what Lincoln was all about. And that's what we try to sell to recruits too: is the Lincoln part. And and I tell them, it's you know, the Lincoln part sold me. Um, you know, that was a big part of it for me. So it worked out nicely. I, although my wife's from upstate New York, uh, we oh really boy. didn't have any ties. Yeah, we really didn't have any. She was willing to, to go somewhere. She's been very, very uh, supportive of my career. But you got her um, from upstate New York to Lincoln, Nebraska? I did. I, I, did. Know the, I did. I know the difference, and I'm amazed. Well, yeah, maybe it speaks to my recruiting ability. Apparently. A bit. I don't know. Yeah. That's impressive. No, it was, 
Yeah, it it, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, she did. She did her research when I found out I was going to be interviewing for the job. And, and the eastern part of the state, you know, Lincoln here in Omaha, being forty-five minutes away, she was sold, and she was excited <laughs> for the move. So, actually, she just wanted to get out of upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little less snow. A little yeah. less snow. Yeah, a little. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I could talk forever with you about this. It's fascinating stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing how you guys do not only this year but in the next few <clears throat> and see how the how it progresses and where it goes. It's great to have Nebraska Wesleyan back in the the definite column versus every year I'm sitting there going, I wonder if they submitted their paperwork to be in the tournament this year and I have to make a few calls. Now I know you're in, and that's great to see and great to see you fully invested. Uh, congratulations on the start of the season. Look forward to seeing how you do the rest of the way. Don't know if you're familiar, but we always give the final word to the coach. Any final words you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, I, I, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having us on there, and, and hopefully we're getting the word out. I've even met some you know, talked to some Division Three coaches this year that didn't realize that we were full-time, you know, only Division Three now. So uh, uh, thank you for having us, uh, having me on here. Um, love what you guys do. It's great. And, and it's really nice to be able to follow, you know, NCAA Division Three every single night um, rather than going back and forth between the NAI and Division Three and kind of see a thing. So, uh, so we're excited. Uh, we're excited to be here, and it's been great so far. So, th- so thank you very much. Well, thank you, Coach. Do me a favor. Stay on hold for a second. I got something I want to mention to you off air. Otherwise, congratulations, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, Coach Dale Wellman joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Again, the team is off to a nine and four start. Um, got three and two in conference play after dropping to Co uh, last night. Uh, 85-73 on Wednesday night for those listening on the podcast. Back at it on this weekend at home against the road um, on the 16th on Monday at Central and then Wednesday at home against Loris before Saturday playing at home against Wartburg. They got a heck of an IIAC schedule the rest of the way. They're actually going to play six more games in the span of two weeks, so a lot to play. We talked about that with Gallaudet, eight games in a span of, of uh, was it 17 days or something. So lots of basketball to squeeze in before the end of January. Going to take another break. When we come back, a couple buzzer beaters to show you. Any last-second questions, we'll get to them. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com or tweet us at d3hoopsville. Otherwise, we'll sign off and call it a night. But we do have a couple buzzer beaters to show you. You're watching the Hoopsville presented for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops still right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay is stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, 
Northwestern to the University of New England and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from community. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free friends and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're going to wrap things up here. No questions for the Hoopsville mailbag this week, but if you do have questions for us, email us, hoopsville.hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. But again, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com for questions for the Hoopsville mailbag. We would love, love, I say, to hear from you. Uh, so please, as I say, don't be a stranger. Um, one th once again, um, we got a couple buzzer beaters we want to show you. Bear with me here as I call up one of them. I had it and then uh, misplaced it. Pla placed it. Placed it's the word I was trying to use there. Uh, as that's how it always happens, does it not? Um, just a reminder, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoops or our hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, etc. Uh, don't forget, if you, uh, if you want, you can listen to the show on demand. Uh, I want to thank all you who listen to the podcast. Download it on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can listen to it when you're not necessarily listening to uh, the show. All right, so the first um, buzzer beater we're going to get to here, we're going to take the video right from SportsCenter, which uh, I believe the good folks at Greenville uploaded. Remember, Greenville the system so they're playing eureka this game's already out of hand it's going into over it's in overtime um and greenville's got a chance to or, or eureka's going to score and that's how we're going to set this up we're going to listen in to how it sounded uh thanks to uh those calling it they call it the bonus top play uh enjoy this one top highlight because we're in the mood division three basketball eureka greenville uh defensive battle we're tied at 142 Get it green! I call bank. Greenville wins 145-142 in overtime. Green is good. 
That's insanity. I know the audio was a little low there, uh, but still pretty darn insane. By the way, hit that shot nearly uh, a year after uh, Greenville hit another buzzer beater to win a game. Um, that one was a little less scoring. Uh, Greenville won that one. 142 to 140, I believe, was the final. But congratulations to Greenville. The other one comes from tonight. It is um, Haverford versus McDaniel. Haverford's, this is at halftime. Haverford is controlling much of the game, but, as they say, McDaniel got a chance at it at the end of the half. Check out the call here. Well, hold on. We'll have to rewind because I hit the wrong button. Hold on a second. We'll, uh, Set that up one more time. Here we go. Enjoy the call here. Nine seconds left for Haverford. Fords by three. Sherman. Knocked away. Perugino. Two seconds. Perugino. And it's as the first half clock expires, the green tear tie it up as Perugino hits his most difficult and without question his longest three of the game so far. Might have had a little echo in there. Sorry about that. Working on some of the tech difficulties, but one heck of a shot out of McDaniel to take to tie the game against Haverford at the at the end of the first half. So pretty fun, exciting times. There have been a lot going on in Division Three. Again, want to uh, hats off to uh, Steve Moore for um, winning uh, his 787th overall win, um, number 700 at Worcester, obviously. Moves into second all-time behind Glenn Robinson. He's not going to catch Glenn. Glenn is at 920 and counting. Dave Hickson's at 787, 10 behind Steve Moore, you'll figure that Dave Hickson will probably leap over Jim Smith, who was at St. John's by the end of the season. Can't imagine Amherst won't win 10 more games when you count the NCAA tournament. Uh, by the way, Dave is fourth on the list with 666. Other members include Bo Ryan, Dick Sowers, and Larry Hunter all have more than 666, but many of them counted outside of Division Three. So congratulations again. It was a uh, heck of a career so far for Steve Moore. I'd love to know how much longer he's got. He wouldn't let us know himself. He may not even know himself. Um, that's going to do it for us. It was a long, long show. Um, long day as well. Uh, I've been a little bit under the weather, so that's why I've kind of looked a little disheveled tonight too. Um, also, um, I want to – but, I mean, further – for the record, what I'm trying to get at is we had a show, and I want to thank everybody who did that uh, and helped us. Of course, it starts at Steve Moore. Uh, it starts with Steve Moore, and of course, SID uh, Kevin Smith, who helped us out as well. Uh, Kevin uh, staying in touch with me to keep a track of Steve and and some of his accolades. Uh, Jeff Phoebus at Calvin, want to thank him for helping get Coach Winkleman on the show, and of course uh, at um, Nebraska Wesleyan, I also want to thank their. SID staff, Dale Wellman especially for coming on the show, the head coach, but I want to thank uh, Alex Linden for helping us. And then um, I want to make sure to, to give a shout-out to um, not only at Catholic, SID extraordinaire, as you can say, Mike uh, Gambardella, but also Sam Atkinson at Gallaudet for helping us set up our trip down to D.C. on Tuesday to talk to Gallaudet men and Catholic women. It was a wonderful trip. First time we've had Gallaudet on the Hoopsville show officially. We did have him on the Hoopsville Classic at a pre 
but that wasn't the same thing. But thanks to both those organizations for helping us get them on the show here tonight. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to go off the air here. We're coming back on Sunday. Don't forget, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We will talk Northeast, Atlantic, South, and Central regions. We'll then be back on Thursday um, once again as we talk uh, East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. Don't forget WBCA Center Court segment coming up on Sunday as well. Um Quick note, Thursday, February 2nd, will be the Hoopsville Marathon Show. Keep track of that as well. We'll have more information as time comes. We're going to take a few days off. Not really, but we'll get ready for the Hoopsville coming up on Sunday. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, again, thanks to our the SIDs and coaches for coming on the show. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget the Hoopsville Mailbag. If you listen to the podcast, it's the best chance to interact with us. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and we will uh, be sure to uh, get your questions asked. And again, that is hoopsville at d 3 We'll get those questions on the air. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Follow us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Forgot to, to promote the show today due to some the challenges of getting today's show put together. Uh, we will do better down the road, especially if we can maybe find some staff. Uh, and we'll also, uh, don't forget on Facebook, Facebook where we live stream the show today. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. Hope you will uh, join us as well. You've been listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and NBC studios, thanks also to the City of Salem for sponsoring the, the hotline as well. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you on Sunday.